star of the season tonight. He showed the world what he could do. My God, a question. An extra gear for the freshman. Touchdown. And the freshman is off. Foot race. <laughs> They're looking at shoe bottoms and nothing else. Into the end zone. Touchdown. The freshman just ran it back to Philadelphia. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Future Freshman Podcast. Welcome back to episode 11. We have a very special episode 11 as we are going to do some drafting, and that is a freshman mock draft here for CFF Dynasty. And, of course, I brought on two very special guests. Let me start off with number one. He's always chasing the natty, and his team just got one this past year. He is my fearless leader uh, for the CFF team over at Campus Again. It's Mr. Jared Pongram. You can find him at Twitter, at CFF underscore Jared. Jared, welcome to the Future Freshman Podcast. Welcome back, sir. Hey man, it's always it's always a pleasure to be on one of your shows, Brandon. I I, I love coming around here, and uh, I'm really happy that we're able to finally uh, do one of these uh, freshman CFF dynasty mock drafts. It's not something that people tend to be given as content throughout the season. I know several people who have reached out to me over the past year and said, "Hey, like, like all this redraft stuff's great, but like I'm in a dynasty league and we got nothing right now. Is there anything that you're going to be able to put out?" Well, here we are, y'all. And I'll go ahead and plug this upcoming week's uh, CTN episode as well, because it's sure. almost going to serve as a part two to this one. Here we're going to be covering freshmen. Uh, I have Josh Chevalier coming on awesome. on uh, this upcoming week, and we're going to talk supplemental players. Uh, talk about some of the guys out there that you can pick up that are already in starting lineups that you can probably go ahead and pick up for yourselves. So between this and that one, you're going to be set in your dynasty leagues in these upcoming months where you're going to be doing your supplemental drafts. Absolutely. I'm so excited that people are finally getting this kind of content out. I know I've been clamoring for it for years now. And my other guest, I decided we got the band back together from the old CFFU podcast. And of course, he is a CFF national champion. He's an OG. He's also the hitman. And that is Mr. Ace Holes himself, Mitch the Hitman Hart. How are you doing today, buddy? Every day is a great day to be Mitch. How are you guys doing? I'm, I'm just glad to be with two professionals. I feel like okay. I, I'm Bobby Jones in the 1920s. I didn't accept checks. I didn't make any money off my sport like you guys do. So good for you. It's just uh, I'm glad to be a, a little part of what you guys do. Uh, you guys have done really good work and all called uh, out Jared's uh, CTN episodes. I, I listen to those while I'm on my Peloton and oh, nice. I can I can hear you get your voice. And I'm a sales trainer. Uh, I talk to people about finding their voice and how so much content is really just lyrics to a song. And it's how you present that information to your your followers, to the people that subscribe to you. That to me makes someone different than someone else. And Jared, I'm not just saying this. I can I can hear your voice coming out. You're getting better and better at what you do. Appreciate awesome. it. I definitely listened back to my first episode of uh, Chasing the Natty back in March of last year, and I definitely am like, oof, oof. I <laughs> actually saw stick around. That's yeah, good. I actually was on YouTube, and uh, you know, how does the recommend? And I was like, it was the first episode with Xavier and Jared. I was like, man, he's come so far, dude. It was pretty awesome to see. So I'm glad to have you both on. It's always good when the band gets back together, and we could put these great minds to the test. We'll do a little freshman uh, mock draft. But before we do, we got a little bit of housekeeping the knockout, so let's knock that out first. Of course, you can visit the brand-new, sexy-looking Campus to KM website. Of course, everything is there as well. Tools, ADP, rankings. Of course, the memberships are there for you to sign up. Excellent articles as well. So, of course, if you're looking for the uh, Stock Up, Stock Down after the spring games, we have our guy, CFF Nate. Of course, Nate Marquis, he's got that available. Please go check that out. 
always love reading those. Uh, it just has a mind for the game and it's been doing it for years. So I really, really do respect what Nate has to say when it comes to his perspective. So please go check that out. Also, real quick, I want to sling it over to Jared because this new tool, and of course, that is the predictor tool that's going on, is a game changer. So, Jared, real quick, I mean, you, I got to see the behind the scenes with the spreadsheet stuff like that, but explain not the formula in general, just the, the thought process and how it kind of came to be real quick before we move on. Yeah, I, I had this idea about a year ago where I was like, you know, it'd be really, really cool if people could just like have a better idea of when they should reach on a player versus when they are able to wait another round and maybe get some value out of ADP. And so I kind of came, I basically did some research and it's actually during when I was researching for my graduate research here that I stumbled across this mathematical formula known as Weibull analysis, uh, typically used for like asset management and stuff like that. But now I kind of took out some of the variables you typically see with it. I'm like, hey, this could apply to mock drafts. Wait a minute, this is exactly what I've been looking for. And so now you are able to go in on the Campus Campus website and use the draft predictor tool. And you can select what type of league you want it to be because we have ADP for um, C2C, CFF, and Devi leagues. So you can pick what type of league you want to use it for. And you can choose a player. And then you just put in what the current pick that is being picked right now. So say you're like several uh, rounds into the mock already, so or into the draft already. Say you're in like the third round, fourth pick. And you want to know if a guy is still going to be available to you in the fourth round like third pick or something like that, you can enter in all that information. It'll provide you the percent chance that it, they will be available and the percent chance that they will already be taken. Those those two just kind of are inverses of each other. So as one goes up, the other one will go down, stuff like that. Also, you can also see there's a graph underneath that also shows like how, like if, because um, the percentages change as the draft goes on, but you can also get an idea of just like how likely it was that a player even reached that point. So like, I just took Josh Downs in like the third round ninth pick. And I immediately nice. thought to myself, I'm like, Whoa, value. I'm like this, this was, this felt like crazy value. He never mm -hmm. falls this late. And so I went to the draft predictor tool and in the graph underneath, it said that if um, I put in the three, nine pick as like my pick. And it said that it would have been like a 0.5% chance that he would make it in a typical wow. draft to that point. So I'm like, that's crazy. I got yeah. some insane value right there. So it's just, you can use it in all sorts of ways. And I'm really glad we were able to finally get it uh, out there for you guys. Yep. All the more reason to check out the website. Uh, I know I've been, I used it for a couple best balls. I don't know if Mitch, you've been able to test it yet or use it on some best ball stuff that you've done yet. Um, but fantastic. I really do love it. And I love seeing the percentages, especially what you talked about getting Josh Downs in 3.09. That's ridiculously good value. So that's the stuff you remember. And the tool can kind of help you with that. So definitely go check out the website and a great segue because we do have the Debbie guide that's coming out here pretty shortly. Of course, that is available on 6-1, 2022, so June 1st. It'll be $20, or if you're an NL, NIL yearly subscriber, it's available the day of launch, and it'll be sent to your email. So, of course, our boy here, Mitch, is going to have a brand spanking new right there in his email form, so he'll have it a bit available. Um, you know, all the analysis is tier-based ranks, over 250 of the top Debbie players. Uh, you know, the Debbie guys intended to help any of your managers do their drafts. Now, Debbie is, you know, sitting long-term, so instead of C2C, as far as being able to play both sides uh, in that same year, you're pretty much waiting on these guys to come into the NFL roster. 
you know, that's really the main differences, but this made famous by our friend Scott Fish there, who does the Scott Fish Bowl. He's the one that made this notorious. But the guys here at C2C and a great team, of course, Corey and his crew there, uh, Mike and a few others. I know uh, Austin and Colin have also been working on it as well. So uh, they use, you know, just to, you know, give you a heads up, of course, they use the team website. They can't, they go to 24-7 sports. They use the raw statistics that come from sportsdisruptions.com. It's just one of my favorite websites to go and check out CFP stuff, especially when I got to go see uh, how Lamar Jackson did when he was on my fantasy team. And I was like, I want to remember the glory days. And so I got to see some of those yards. So it was good to check out the sports reference on there as well. And then, of course, the rest of the metrics come from all our mocks and stuff like that. Of course, you see Jared doing CFF. You see, um, you know, PJ doing things like Debbie or doing, you know, C2C ones. Kipsacan.com has that for you. And, of course, PFF.com has some pretty cool metrics as well. Now, with that, the CFF guide is coming up next. So, Jared, what can we expect to see from the CFF guide, you know, uh, in the shadows after the Debbie guide here? Uh, you're going to see so much work put into it. It's going to be crazy. We're going to be breaking down all 131 teams in FBS, and we're going to have a litany of different authors who are going to be bringing those to you. It's not going to be one person writing 130 different write-ups. Good no. Lord. I don't think we can pay <laughs> that person enough. Um, but again, we're going to be breaking down. Uh, we're, each one's going to have a depth chart. We're going to give you uh, just a 2020 preview of where the team is at, what we can expect out of them what players you might be looking at on each of their teams. In addition to that, we will be breaking down the top players at every position in those drafts. They're going to have a short blurb along with it. And it will include stats like um, what their ECR is compared to their ADP, um, their stats from last year. Uh, we haven't decided yet if we're going to be doing projections of any kind this upcoming year. We are still kind of debating that, whether or not we'll, that'll be included. But even still, you're going to have – it broken down both from a team perspective because in CFF it's system, system, system. You are also going to have a breakdown of each of the individual players that we expect to be the biggest um, players for CFF this year. Yep. So definitely be looking on that uh, to be T or to be determined as far as launch date, but I'm sure you'll be seeing it soon enough. So be ready for all you NL subscribers. I know you guys will be looking forward to it. Also, shout out to the people that have done the cover. I know a certain lady in our group did a fantastic job. So shout out to Hannah. I think this is a beautiful cover page. And I would love to see this in actual magazine form sometime. That'd be super awesome to see that one day on the shelf. So hopefully we can make that happen. Let's uh, move on. And of course, we want to shout out our guy, Nicholas Ian Allen, who does CFB Winning Edge. I have a partnership with him. He supplies that you've seen on some of the episodes, a lot of the depth charts, um, things like as far as how they did in production. He also has the return uh, players percentage that is out as well. I believe you can find that in either tier two or tier three, which I would highly recommend. I know tier one will get you just the normal depth charts and stuff like that. So even for $5 a month, highly recommended. I know I'm a subscriber. I believe Jared has done it. Austin's done it. Uh, I believe even Mitch has kind of looked into his stuff as well. So definitely something to go check out. So it's patreon.com slash CFP winning edge. Uh, go tell Nicholas that the future freshman podcast sent you and that Brandon and the crew loves his work and keep up the great work. Uh, I love this more than anything. Like I said, I couldn't trust our lads and a couple other ones. No offense to them. I wanted really precise and Nicholas sees everything transfer portal. You name it. He's on top of it within you know hours, basically. So the man stays up multiple hours at night trying to fix these things. Uh, he's an absolute beast. So please go check out his work. Uh, I love what he's doing and uh, just go check out his Patreon if you can, please. And then of course, lastly, uh, we'll change this so they can see the bottom there. Of course, you can see we do have the price picks, so go check out the app. You know, people ask what is price picks now. It is a prop bet 
application that you can have. It does depend on the state you're in. Most of the states are available. There's only a few now that are not available, but they are trying to get Congress to pass those as well. So go check that out. Of course, the code is CFFU. If you use that, you'll get a matching deposit up to $100. So if you have $100, you can move to $200. If you got $50, you'll move to $100. Go check that out. Um, another one I want to uh, you know, plug is uh, if you do wake up with our my buddy Ray GQ, and of course, uh, he's got his partner in crime. They actually do videos per morning. So if you're not big on NBA or if you're not big on PGA or anything like that, the guys actually give you pretty decent props that you can kind of look into, and make some quick money because they want you to move your bankroll up. And that's something that we've been plugging the offseason. Make sure that you're moving your bankroll because you want to have as much as possible so then we can drop a lot of money when CFFU podcast returns. And then we can get, win us some money here when CFFU rolls around, which is our favorite time. So please go check that out if you can. CFFU at checkout, please, if you can. Price picks back. We appreciate it. All right, boys. I think it's about time we start the mock draft. What do you guys think? I said, I'm ready to get started. All right. I'm totally stoked. All right. So we did this by random. We used the 100 yard rush, and it was a quite the race on there as well. At first, Mitch's guy was just booking it, and he decided to take a nap midfield. And then Jared's guy just steadily trucked it on there for the first position. So let me share the screen real quick for those that are watching YouTube. If you're not on listening, just we'll you know keep it going and and, and you know talk about who we picked and why we decided to pick it as well. So let's bring this up and I'll move this position right here as well. So Jared is going to be picking first. He has got the 101. I'll be going second and Mitch will be going third. We're going to be doing this linear. We're going to try to as much as we can closer to what you're going to see in an actual freshman draft. If you have your dynasty and stuff like that, we try to make it as close now. If there was trades and stuff like that, that would be a whole nother story, but we're going to kind of do best available. We, you know, there's no, uh, you know, depth chart as far as who we have, as far as quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, it's really just best available. So this kind of gives you just a, you know, a simple look at what we're expecting as far as what you can expect if this was a best available approach or more like a best ball type situation approach. So Jared, my friend, if you'll kick it off for me, good sir, and pick the first selection in this 2022 mock draft for CFF freshman. Yeah. Like Brandon mentioned, like it, most of the time when you get into a supplemental or freshman draft, especially in CFF Dynasty, your strategy is going to hardly ever, at least in the beginning, hardly ever be just best available because you, your team is going to have needs and you're probably going to want, and, and in CFF Dynasty, you can typically go more towards, um, you can typically go towards more of your team needs than you can like NFL Dynasty because there's just a deeper pool of players to grab from. So you don't have to worry immediately about um, a giant tier break between these different players I'm not going to sound hypocritical because to me, regardless of what your team is looking like, there is a 101 pick in almost every single one of these that I think you have to go with. And that is going to be Mr. Nicholas Singleton, the running back out of Penn State. Dude rushed for over 5,000 yards and 95 touchdowns in his high school work. Ran uh, ran 21.7 miles per hour. Has great breakaway speed. Uh, He does have some limited receiving work, but I don't think that's really going to matter. Um, And I think that had more to do with just the style of offense that he had in his high school but at the end of the day, like to me, this is the best running back in the class and it's going to one of the best systems for running backs. Just think about guys like Miles Sanders. Think about guys like Saquon Barkley. And the depth chart there is just wide open for him to take it over here in year one. I think that Nicholas Singleton is the best value you can get for your draft this year. Yeah, uh, hands down, I think he's the best overall. Um, we were talking a, a, an episode ago with uh, with Colin and you know he was saying that you have the other – 
uh, Catron Allen in the way a little bit. You also have Kevon Lee that Franklin's more into his veterans. But we think that he's still just one big breakaway, kind of like a Trevion Henderson type situation where he just blows up and, you know, and then at that point it's just his backfield to own. Would you guys think that's kind of the same mentality or are we still, you know, looking at Singleton as hopes that he can kind of get the ball rolling at least half a year from now or half a season or into the next season? What's your thoughts there? I mean, if you're asking me, I say it's a little more hope than um, strategy. You know, a true freshman running back, you have a seasoned team throwing him in. I don't really expect it at the beginning, but I, I would think that his talent would win over. In this draft, it's a, a very good first selection, uh, but I'll disagree. I don't really think there is a clear-cut 101, and we'll see if I get my 101 here in a minute. Okay. Because I, if I had first pick, I would not be taking Singleton. Well, let's do the first couple picks, and then we'll see yeah. like it, yeah. the difference. Look, at this is best available, and this isn't our actual real teams now. This might mimic some of it because the first round is a lot of these studs that we're actually looking to acquire in our own league. So it doesn't change a whole lot, but the good thing is having just best available, I'm kind of going with that. And with that, I have to take someone that I saw in spring game. I needed to know if what I saw on film and what I saw in research matched with why I thought he was the cream of the crop to begin with, he was. I get it. Uh, the quarterback situation is subpar. But if they're going to find this guy like 70% of the time and use him like a Debo Samuel, I can't say no to that. So I am going to take Mr. Luther Burden, the third from Missouri. Okay. Uh, let me see if I can grab him as well. And that's hard for me because everyone knows I tout a different wide receiver as my top dog. Of course, he's my biggest fish in the smallest pond. And I, you know, I have a lot of heart because there. No pun intended to Mitch Hart, but uh, you know, he's my guy. And it's hard to do it. But if we're looking at production and something that can get on the field and make a difference, um, you know, immediately, I have to take Luther Burden. What's your guys' thoughts here on Burden as the 102 overall? He would be my 101. If so I were, yeah, he's cool. he's the I think he is the best college football player coming out of high school this year. So he would be my first pick. And I'm going to disagree, I guess, some. I don't I don't think you should take need in dynasty because there are so many trades. Jared is in I'm in one dynasty league with Jared. I think he's made five trades. I've only been in the league six weeks. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not? If Luther Burden is going to be the next blank. Just whatever wide receiver right. that you want him to be, uh, where he gets 800 yards and seven touchdowns this year, then goes 1,200, 1,400 in a selected seventh overall. You could trade him for whatever you want. I love Luther Burden. Great pick there. Awesome. All right, Mitch. Well, I took your one-on-one off the board. Who is your one-of-three slash one-of-two that you usually would take? Okay, so I'm trying to – how do I – So there's the I, arrow on the bottom there? Yeah. Okay, you so – that and select the person. I'm going wide receiver number two on my list, Evan Stewart, uh, Texas A&M. Look, uh, I think the wide receivers in this class are better than the quarterback, certainly. And I have uh, an affinity for some of the younger running backs, but I think a lot of these wide receivers should fly off the board here uh, at the beginning of the draft, and Evan Stewart is one of them. Aggies are a team on the come. This is, uh, I mean, for me, it's solid pick. I'm okay. fine with it. I love it. Uh, Evan Stewart showed out another spring game guy that we saw that uh, it's going to go in his direction, regardless if it's Haynes King or they, you know, pick someone else as well. I think he's going to get a lot of work for sure. Uh, let's go ahead and, and speed it up a little bit. Let's get the first round done and then we'll kind of, you know, go from there as well, just so we can do it as well. Jerry, if you want to go ahead with 104, sir, 
and then now we'll leave with 105. Yeah, so we talked a little bit about beforehand about how like there's if you're looking for quarterbacks in this draft that are going to start immediately, you're not going to find them. Uh, there's very few here that strike me as a injury away or a guy that you are expecting to just take over as soon as they get here. We thought Cade Klubnik might have been that, but it looks like that Dabo is still going to ride or die with DHJ Uyango lately for now. So if you're going to take a quarterback here this early, to me, you just go ahead and take one that is in a system that you know is going to produce. You know that they're going to be a dominant force in the conference. And so I'm going to take a guy that is Devin Brown, quarterback out of Ohio State. Again, he's come from the same high school as Zach Wilson and Jackson Dart. He's not guaranteed to win the Ohio State job, but as far as I'm concerned, no QB recruit for Ohio State will be in the near future. Uh, how If he does get the start, the sky's the limit for him. He's shown the ability to make all kinds of throws at all three different levels, and he's mobile when he needs to be, but he's not one of those guys that just takes off and runs and relies too much on his legs. I like Devin Brown quite a bit. I do think that there's a good chance that he could be the starter for Ohio State in a year or two. I like it. Uh, same sentiment, I'd say. Like, it, you still got to worry about Kyle McCord there, but at the same time, like, if I, I see a transfer out, so I do see Devin Brown kind of taking over after this year. So, you know, if we can't get three years out of Devin Brown worth every penny to go ahead and sit on him, especially if we only, you only have to sit on him for one year, it's worth it. It's just like those that have taken guys like a Drake Mayer, Jacoby Priswell, hoping that they could, you know, start right after Sam Howe, same type of strategy, kind of go from there as well. All right. I'm going to go ahead and pick. Let's get to that one. And uh, let's see if I can go ahead and, well, I have to take my golden one. Sorry, guys. I'm going to take Matthew Golden from Houston. I get it. There's other wide receivers that are showing up on campus. But nothing is showing out like this guy has. He's been there from the spring. They highly wanted him. They would have had him from the very start. Nathaniel Dell is that guy, and I love Clayton Toon this season. So those two guys are going to ball out. But mark my words, Matthew Golden is taking over as the alpha next year, even with the, the transfers coming in. So don't let the transfers fool you. I'm excited for Houston because I do like having you know three wide receiver options. Can they hold all three? I'm not sure yet, but can they hold two wide receivers in this offense in, in CFF? Absolutely. So I'm going to take the guy that's going to be there, hope for three years, especially since they move up to the P5. So he's no longer a big fish in a small pond. He's, you know, a very decent sized fish in a very large pond. So very, very much excited. So excited I could get my guy here on 105. Is it a reach for you guys? Or do you think, you know, that's good, good spot for Golden, especially CFF? Golden was my number four on my big board. So not go. a reach for me at all. And I know, uh, I know, Mitch was a big fan of, of Golden as well, especially with the. Spider oh, he's man, he's going to do very well again. Uh, like, I I can't I can't say enough because I'm about to drop in another one. I'm going to go Barry and Brown. Oh, I like it. Uh, yeah. Six foot one, super fast. Uh, is honestly has an open, you know, kind of way to play this year. I mean, the mm -hmm. guy the guy may produce now yeah. uh, down the road. I think it's a great pick. I. Again, if you're listening, do do some research. Find some wide receivers that you're in love with. Uh, obviously, like I have, I'm going to go fishing uh, in this freshman pond with wide receivers. And all of the ones that have been chosen so far are outstanding. Yep, absolutely. All right, Jared, let's keep the ball rolling. It looks like we got a wide receiver run going. I like where this is going. Oh, who do you got um, next? I'm, I'm going to break it because I'm just going right, to my next go. top guy off the board here. And, again, I, I'm going to sound like such a hypocrite because I said I don't believe in a ton of the QBs here, but I'm going to do the exact <laughs> same thing I did in the last pick. Or I'm just going to take a guy who, if he's a starter for his system, 
you're not going to look back. You're not going to feel bad about this whatsoever. And if, even if he transfers out of that system, he's going to ball out somewhere else. I'm going to take Ty Simpson. That's going to be my next pick. I would say no, we had gone too long to not pick the Ty. next Alabama quarterback. Sure, and sure. just like Jared had talked off, off cast and not to overshadow your pick, Jared, you could talk to mm-hmm. him. But, you know, you discussed a very important question about CFF Dynasty on how much do you want to invest on a high pick with a guy who won't start for a few years. Mm-hmm. But Ty Simpson is not that. Mm-hmm. He could easily start next year. Very good pick, in my opinion. Very good pick. Yeah, again, like as we kind of mentioned, five-star quarterback headed to Alabama, signed me up. Uh, yeah. Between Tua, Mac Jones, Bryce Young, the starter for Alabama has been a must-have for CFF teams. Uh, Simpson did enroll early at Bama and is believed to currently be the number three behind quarterback Jalen Milrow. However, I think after a full year in the system, Simpson could easily be pushing by year two. He can scramble when he needs to, just like Devin Brown, but that isn't his first instinct. And he can get throws on time to his receivers, both of which are qualities that Saban values in his quarterbacks. I think we see Ty Simpson as the next Alabama quarterback once Bryce Young leaves to the NFL. You will not regret taking him here this early. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. All right. So this is where, you know, you're getting to the further draft. And then this is where, all right, do I take a running back? Do I take the quarterback? I'm going to keep the ball rolling just because I, I, I see great value in this. I love the system fit to go along with it as well. Let's see if I can find him. Yes, he is my buddy. Taylor Stretchron of Oklahoma State. Love to pick. He is a Oklahoma State wide receiver. He screams Des Bryant, Tylen Wallace. He's a perfect fit in that system. I, you know, talking with him, Austin, I do see where he, he needs to go into his mold. He's 6'3", but he could definitely beef up, you know, just like Mitch if he hits the gym hard and, you know, gets those muscles a little bit thicker on that one as well. He is contest uh, catch freak. I absolutely love that he's there as well. Be careful, like we talked about last week, his brother's also there. He's a tight end. So make sure you're looking at when you're drafting that you're taking the wide receiver, Shetron, and not the tight end, Shetron. But I love uh, Shetron in Oklahoma State. I think he's got year one written all over him, and I think he's going to be someone that you're going to see uh, for the next two or three years to come for sure to make a big splash there and definitely move up draft boards heading to the NFL. So I'm taking Shetron at wide receiver, and I, I like the pick. I think it's solid. Mitch, what do you think, man, going into the 109? Uh, I think uh, I'm going to continue this run and stealing uh, a little bit of Jared's system in Alabama – I'll okay. go Shaz Preston. Uh, there's a couple of young wide receivers at, Oak, at at Alabama. I'm sure someone will take another one here in just a second. But again, I, I when in doubt, when there are a couple of stud wide receivers at Alabama, Ohio State, UT, um, what I'm going to do is go for the little taller guy with speed. Uh, you know, if there's a five foot ten guy against a six foot four guy, you got to do your homework. But if there's a six foot one guy against a five foot ten guy, I'm going to take six one if he's fast. Shaz Preston is that. Uh, in all likelihood, he'll either be a starter at Alabama or somewhere really cool in today's portal world. I think he's got a lot of talent. I'm down with that. It's good. To, uh, again, uh, you see a theme. I'm going wide receiver early. I'm sticking with it. Yeah. I'll throw out this real quick. If you ever see a wide receiver coming down as a recruit between Alabama and LSU as their top two schools recruiting them, you know they're going to be a bona fide stud. So Chaz yeah. Preston, great pick there. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Jared, 110, man, who you got? All righty. Well, I'm going to continue breaking away from you guys because I'm going to take not a wide receiver. Uh, and I'm going to go because you, you keep taking the guys that I want to take at wide receiver. <laughs> of course. Um, but I'm going to go running back here. And I'm going to go Jaden Blue running back go. at Texas. Bijan Robinson will be leaving after this season and will likely be a first 
round, if not an early second round pick in the NFL draft this year. The question becomes, who is the running back most likely to inherit his role after he leaves? Enter Mr. Jadon Blue. Blue is already an ideal size for a back the day he walks onto campus, and his talent just leaps off the film when you watch him. In addition, he's an excellent pass catcher, which we've seen Sarkeesian value in his running backs. Blue has the talent and the system to be a running back, the running back one for CFF in a year or two's time, which is always something you should be able to shoot for in the first round. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we're also looking for, it's just Bijan that's straight to Jan on blue. That's all I see it is, is Texas is just, is pushing, you know, the run running backs and it fits the system perfectly. I don't blame you. I'm surprised that he actually lasted this long. And this is where we're starting to see, I know it's the first one, but this is pretty crazy, right? That we're actually seeing pretty, pretty decent amount of stuff going on here as well. I think I want to go running back as well. And I think we need to look at it because I have my ear to the ground. So we definitely need to do that. Let's see if I can find him. Sorry for those that are listening. Uh, you can type it out, Brandon, rather than like. Oh, okay, to look there we go. Let's see. Let's do. There he is. All right. All right so I'm taking my boy George Petaway out of UNC. So listen. Of course, we all know that British Brown is the, the guy. He's starting. He's going to be that guy. We see in the spring game. It's all of the reports. Now, they're saying right now DJ Jones has the option at option two. However, DJ Jones is entry prone, and I hate saying that as a Tar Heels fan, but it is true. The guy hardly stays on the field. George Pettoway is pushing from third to second already as a freshman. And as regardless, if I do like Mario and Hampton, he is, you know, you know, a little bit thicker, a little bit slower versus Pettaway. They're looking for a lightning roll, Michael Carter-esque. George Pettaway has the option to start right away. I can't let him slip to the second round. I got to take George Pettaway here, running back for UNC, uh, just with a chance that he could definitely go well over 500 yards this year just on the role that he has alone. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break up the wide receiver and go running back as well and take this pick. Mitch, you're up, buddy. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, because this is how fantasy works, uh, I'll just kind of go with something pretty obvious. One of the most highly touted quarterbacks in this class, and that's mm. Drew Alar. Oh, so um, he's gonna drop. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that in if we were, you know, in an actual draft, I think this is a, a great value for him right here. Uh, I know that he hasn't had the greatest start of his little practice career. He seems to be a little mistake prone, holds the ball a little too long and takes some uh, some touch sacks. But he's a freshman. Like, he ain't even a freshman yet. That's what freshmen do is hold the ball too long. I'll just go with talent here. Uh, right. Penn State has good wide receivers, and they have Nick Singleton, the yep. number one pick in this draft. So, <laughs> you know, right. you got some talent. I'm going to go Drew Alar. Uh, any alarm bells for you guys? Uh, I, I don't think he'll play this year, but any true alarm bells? You think I'm okay there? I I, I love Drew Aller in a C2C more than a CFF dynasty. I think he is going to be a prototypical NFL back in a, or NFL quarterback in a couple of years' time, I do question the upside of a more pocket presence quarterback in the Penn State. Okay, okay. I knew you were going to say that. Look at look at Sean Clifford, Trace McSorley. These guys don't just scream athletic ability, right. uh, but they are they are athletes. They're only seen as passers because their passing is much better than their athleticism. I actually did some uh, research on uh, Drew a few months ago, and the came away feeling that he was a little more athletic than fast, and it made mm -hmm. me think. I think that's what they've been having. So while I think it is very normal, and this is very John Lobb to say, to go with the mobile quarterback. 
because it's easy. If he can just develop in passing, the mobile quarterback is there. We always tend to wonder, can this unathletic QB get 350 yards rushing and eight touchdowns? And I kind of think he is. I think he's good enough to be a QB two mm-hmm. in CFF. I don't, I don't think Drew's a QB one, but again, yeah. if we're, if we're drafting uh, to supplement our teams as we move forward, I think getting a guy at the end of the first round who could start this year for injury, but seems to be in line for next year. I like it uh, again, not a super athletic upside, but I think sneaky athletic, more Trevor Lawrence athletic. Yeah. I have, I, again, I have drew Aller like, on the like much lower than we we're taking him here, but like literally at the very end of it, I said, I'm willing to take him. Um, I'll take the upside of a five-star QB in a system whose success, at least at the wide receiver position has been well noted over the past couple of seasons. It's not like they don't have guys for him to throw to. Right. So yes. I'm again, I am not going to knock you too much for this. I think drew Aller again, I won't take him this high. If he's going this high constantly, I'm probably not going to own any of him in dynasty leagues, but I'm not going to knock you too much. Yeah. So that's the first round. What do you? What else do y'all see? Yeah. Let's. Uh, I, th- let's recap I, th- I think the steal of the first round was Ty Simpson. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. <laughs> I thought it was good, especially for the I, second pick. Again, I, I mentioned if Drew Aller goes this high, I won't own any of him. If Evan Stewart is the third overall pick in dynasty drafts, I'll probably not own any of him either. I don't doubt that A and M is getting to a better position in terms of being able to utilize their wide receiver talent, and I do believe that if anybody has a shot to break that trend, it is Evan Stewart. But for this one, I'm going to have to wait and see on it. And again, because of that, I'll probably, I might miss out on a great wide receiver talent in Evan Stewart, but I'm willing to take the L on it and then learn my lesson going forward for Texas A&M rather than trying to predict that Evan Stewart will be the first guy to break that trend with a third overall pick in a freshman draft. Yep. Hey, defending the pick, I'll say this, uh, Mike Evans went to Texas A&M, and he was an awesome fantasy wide receiver. Uh, I know it's a different system, but so is the pressure for the Aggies. And in a minute, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to pick the Aggie QB that's on the list as well. Um, They will not mess around much before this heralded class gets to lead them. Because, again, as you saw the news today, Nick Saban and – uh, Jimbo Fisher are going at it because this is the best class money can buy. Uh, well, you know what it is, and they're going to play. And <laughs> those are the kids that the alumni are paying six and seven figures to. Uh, don't sleep on Evan Stewart. He's going to get the ball force-fed to him. And we haven't talked about that, or I haven't listened to many of y'all shows where you've talked about that. When you start paying children $300,000, the expectations for them to produce skyrocket. Mm-hmm. And True. if all the money truly is behind Texas A&M, they're not going to just get to hang out on the sidelines. No. So anyway, no. that's just, just a theory, but I'll take that. No, and no, like, and the one thing I would give you with Evan Stewart is again, he will be a starter for Texas A&M this year. It's not like we have to wait yeah. and see. We're going to find out very quickly whether Stewart is a value or not. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, the, the upside on these guys in the first round, like it's going to be either they play immediately or they just have upside waiting like a year tops or something like that to kind of get the job done. So that's where like, you know, the first round makes a lot of sense, especially that one as well. Um, do you guys have any like breaches that you think might have been uh, a reach or anything like that? Or do you guys 
I'll be honest, like I think Shaz Preston's a bit of a reach on that one, just to start on that one, but it's only because of Isaiah Bond and a few of the other guys that no, and again, like I, I shared with you guys earlier, crowded, you know. Yeah, he'll be drafted in a minute and mm-hmm. uh Preston stands three and a half inches taller. Yeah. And is just as fast. Yeah. So again, like could an Alabama a five ten Alabama wide receiver be their wide receiver? Sure, it could happen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm absolutely. sure Bond is going to be picked in just a minute, and it'll be a good selection. Uh, oh, yeah. Again, I'm going to stick to the strategy. If you're if you're doing your own research after listening to this, uh, check out the guys who are six foot one and a half to six foot tall that all run, you know, the 21.5 miles an hour or better, the yeah. 10 to 100 mm-hmm. meters and better. Keep selecting those. You will get things right. And each of the people that I selected are that guy. Draft those guys. That that's again, that is a surefire way. If a running back is five eleven and two oh five coming out of high school, draft him. You're gonna be okay. Like Nick Singleton. Look at it. And in a minute, Branson Robinson. Go ahead. Yeah. Agreed. All righty. I guess I'll go ahead and get the second round started here. The second round. Yes, let's knock it out. Alrighty. Well, there's been a debate about which two or which out of the two running backs are the ones to own for the Alabama freshman class this year. And I'm going to stake my flag right here. I'm going to go Mr. Jamarian Miller. Miller to me is the running back to own out of the two backs for Alabama this year. Miller already has a close to ideal size and just strikes me as the most prototypical running back for Alabama. He has the ability to be patient and hit holes at excellent rates while also showing an ability to catch out of the backfield, both behind the line of scrimmage and downfield. In fact, in high school, he was able to um, line up out wide at times. Uh, whether it's through the air or in the group, Miller's uh, 10-71 100-yard dash shows he does have some breakaway speed that makes Bama's offense just as potent as ever. I expect Jamari Miller to be it next in line for the Alabama running back room here pretty soon. Yep. Uh- the episode with Corey is what sold me on Jamari Miller. Uh, he just he just feels more like that Alabama running back that can kind of get it done on both ends. He's not one dimensional, and that's what spoke to me. I, nothing against Emmanuel Henderson, but it sounds like he you know as high as star he is, he still has some developing he's got to get done. But other than that, and we're not knocking Emmanuel Henderson. He might be at a value you know the third or fourth round you know future episode we might be able to get him and stuff like that. But I love this pick of Jamari Miller. I think it's right up right up Alabama's alley. What do you think, uh, Mitch? You think Jamarian or are you an Emmanuel Henderson type of guy? Look, this isn't hard to see what we're doing. We're selecting guys from Ohio State and Alabama. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jared said earlier, and again, for all the listeners, he you, you won't get better advice. Look at a system that works and select their players. Uh, could Jamarian Miller be beaten out by next year's five-star running back? Of course he can. But what you're supposed to do is take the guy because the upside is awesome. And he could always just end up being the running back for Ole Miss. Exactly. So, no, it's a great selection. That's how you play. All right, guys. I'm going to put my money where my mouth was at our previous episode. And I'm going to take Mr. DJ Allen out of TCU. I was uh, just looking him up. Great pick. Uh, yes. Great pick. Uh, so s- similar to Shetron, a great contested catch. Quentin Johnson's got one year left. I will be the first to admit when I first did the rankings, I had Quentin Johnson way too low because I was just not thinking clearly. Let's face it, I had the pre-spring blues. I just wasn't thinking straight. But now I'm thinking straight. Quentin Johnson's going to be an absolute beast. I love that system with Sonny Dykes. I love what TCU brings to the table. They can support two wide receivers. So the difference is Shetron, I believe, could be a wide receiver one earlier. 
whereas I believe DJ Allen takes over in year two. He reminds me a lot of a Matthew Golden, fits the system, great hands, great build, already like ahead of the table when it comes to um, being in the weight room, gaining mass, uh, gaining speed to go along with his strength. And I think it's a, a great pairing. And to get him at 202, which I thought he was going to be in the second round, I just, you know, I couldn't let him slip too far because I think he, when you guys was going to swoop him up real quick, uh, I had to take my boy DJ Allen. So he's here at 202. So that's why I did the pick. Awesome. No, I like him. I was just looking him up. Uh, not quite six foot tall, but has a athletic family. He'll probably grow into that. That's a, that was a good pick. DJ Allen's a good pick. I agree. Right. You got I'm going to go Branson Robinson. Muscles right. on muscles. Joe. Dude, again, uh, Here we are. For, for every Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley 625-pound squatting muscle man, you get a Mike Davis with giant thighs who doesn't do anything. Right. Man, I, I tell you, Branson Robinson, again, he's at a school where competition is always fierce. Um, you never know if he's going to pan out. But I like the muscles. And if you don't know Branson Robinson, take a look at the pics on Google. He's a specimen. Again, mm -hmm. my only worry is that we just wait around a long time. But I like his talent. Again, if he doesn't become the running back for Georgia, he'll be the running back somewhere. As the Georgia guy, I will, I will say this. Um, I Again, once again, I like Branson better in a C2C rather than a CFF. Less because I don't believe in Branson's talent. It's just more of, I think Georgia is moving away from having one back be the guy there, no matter how talented they might be. I think the last one we really got out of that was DeAndre Swift. I really think they are going to try to move forward a little bit more uh, with this, this two back system of, you got one of them being more of the bruiser, which Branson absolutely fits, but then you're probably going to have another guy in the backfield there, a guy like Kenny McIntosh, a guy like James Cook. They're all, they're, they're probably going to be utilizing more, so I'm not willing, as a Georgia guy, I'm not willing to take a Georgia running back quite this high, mostly because I think their upside for CFF is capped, and I don't think you're going to see one get much further, much higher than the RB36. Yeah, I was going to oh. point out, yeah, CFF-wise, that's where I, not that I doubt Georgia and the talent, it's just, you know, we're loading to, you know, the RBU, so it's like, you know, you're splitting times type situation. Uh, one thing I'll interject with Georgia running backs, um, none of the kids that have been in the backfield since Swift are as good as Swift. No, and I, I think Robinson sure. can reverse the mold. I think you go no. with what you have. And Kendall Milton, Z Zaire White, Kenny McIntosh, uh, all of those guys are uh, B-plus level running backs. Mm -hmm. And I think when you have B-plus guys, everybody plays i think branson robinson's better than that yeah that's fair so i hope we'll you're see. right as a georgia yeah. guy i hope you, i hope you're right yeah um and i love kendall Milton. like again i've been talking to kendall Milton, so some people are probably like yeah. oh what are you talking about jerry i'm like well kendall Milton's a great value right now in cff because he's going as like the rb60 i'm like right. no he's gonna get 200 touches this year um anyway we'll move on we'll go ahead and grab my guy and this is my guy out of the alabama wide receivers and mitch you kind of touched on him earlier i'm gonna go isaiah bond yeah. the wide receiver going to alabama and you, you mentioned that he is, like, Preston's just as fast. I'm going to disagree because, again, like, um, Bond is probably the fastest receiver I've seen in this class. Uh, dude is just an absolute, absolute burner. Uh, now you can say that his increase in speed over Preston's is marginal and it probably doesn't add that much to it. But even still, if I get a burner wide receiver in the Alabama wide receiver room, 
I'm not going to look back on it. Uh, if he if he wins the job, he wins the job. If he doesn't, he probably goes to start somewhere else and is an absolute deep threat for somebody. But even still, Bond isn't just a go-route wide receiver. He's not somebody you just say, hey, Isaiah, go straight, and then you throw the ball to him. Uh, he's developed a very nice route tree over his time in high school. It has allowed him to be versatile all over the field, and it's going to allow Bamba to utilize him in some pretty creative ways. Uh, again, just with all Bamba wide receivers, he's going to have to navigate a pretty crowded room but to me, he has the best shot to earn a role pretty quickly. No, uh, a very good value. I could have easily have selected him, obviously, instead of Preston. Uh, I have, again, my reasoning. I'm going to stick to guys in the same size uh, mm-hmm. so you don't hit and miss. And I honestly think sticking to a strategy is a good idea because if it's a, 100%. If it's a decent strategy, you should hit a decent amount of times. But Bond could easily outshine Preston. He's just a little shorter and he ain't much faster. Um, so, I, again, I'll take the bigger guy. Size matters. But, man, Bond's a great selection at this point. Am I? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love Bond. I love the speed. I think he could do, you know, punt, kick returns and kind of get on the field early. That also impresses um, Saban. So, if he can get on the field earlier, that might, you know, fast track him once one of these guys, uh, you know, decide to move up to the NFL and kind of move on as well. All right. Let's do the next one, and it's finally time to put Oklahoma on the board. Let's take our boy Javante Barnes at 205. Me and Mitch had a nice discussion about Javante. He's building that mass that we talked about a few episodes ago. He's doing well. I do not trust the other two in the backfield. I do not trust Eric Gray. Marcus Major is B player. Uh, I'm, you know, I'll put it out there. Javante Barnes is there. Salchuk, it's still not there yet. Um, and so I see Barnes with the fast track to take over this backfield, at least as RB. 1A and at least get the majority of that touches as we go. So I'm taking Javante Barnes, Oklahoma. Guys, what do you think about Barnes there at Oklahoma in the 205? My biggest concern is Jeff Lebby as the offensive coordinator. Yeah. Uh, the fact that he constantly uses a running back by committee. Uh, he, the highest uh, the highest finish that a running back got at Ole Miss last year was Stoop Connor. He finishes the RB65. Uh, so you got some very talented backs there, Jerry Ely. Uh, again, none, none of them could crack the top 60 running backs. I like Javante Barnes a lot, but if he's going to, if his upside is going to be capped by volume and him splitting carries with mediocre backs, because that's just what Levy wants to do. I'm not willing to take Javante Barnes this high. Uh, again, I have Javante Barnes on my big board here today. I would have taken him if he made it to me in the third round. I think this okay. is just a little bit too early. Okay. What do you think, Mitch? Oh, I I absolutely disagree. Again, uh, much like the Georgia running back situation, I think a a coach coaches what he has. Uh, Jerry and Ely and Snoop Connor aren't that much uh, better than each other. It's a different back, so they complemented each other well, but they're not better than. Uh, Sometimes a coach will recruit and always have a a committee of running backs because the system sets up for a complementary roles. Now, I think Javante Barnes can be both of those dudes. And this is what we talked about that was interesting during the other class. Uh, they kept raving about his pass catching and pass blocking. And he's a larger man who can be the runner. What if his skill set provides him to be that three down back that the guy normally doesn't have? Again, I love system talk. And you should stick to it. You just got to watch out when somebody switches schools that they might just have a better player than they've ever had. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, so what I'm saying is I like the pick at 205. Um, again, I think it might be a touch on the early side. I, w- yeah. I wasn't about to jump on Javante <laughs> until like 
three more pick, Mitch three more Mitch. spots here. So, yeah, so like Lord, I was, see. I was gonna pick him. I have to mark him off my list, but uh, no, I'm fine with it. I think, I think it was a good selection. All right, Mitch, let's take it into the two of six, good sir. Okay, cool. So uh, again, this is one of those picks where I look up in a draft like this, and I wonder why my Ohio State wide receiver hasn't been selected so yeah yeah so look <laughs> this is going to become redundant when you go to one of the factory schools you better step up you better be somebody good and you know who knows this is a dart throw i think the kids uh got great athleticism you know there are spots all over the field for him but the, like Jared said earlier, or Brandon, I think you said this, the room is crowded. Yeah. Lots, a ton of athletes. But at this juncture in the draft, you know, picking people like Alar or Branson Robinson or Grays, uh, these are good values at this in this juncture of a draft like this, in my opinion. I agree. I love Keon Grays. I think he gets on the field. It's going to be like a hockey system at Ohio State because they have so much talent. Someone's got to relieve JSN so we can at least take a breather and some water for like, you know, a rep or so. Same thing, you know, Marvin Harrison needs to hop out. Keon Grays is that guy that just plugs right into the system. Uh, you know, And it's a three, we, it's a three wide receiver exactly. system for the CFF. Yep. They mm -hmm. can, they can produce three men that can start on your team at all times. So, or three wide receivers, excuse me. So I'm, I don't expect the kid to be wide receiver three this year. I'm be honest. No, I no. don't, but uh, next year, next I year, see him yeah. on the field. If he can be on the field with again, all of those studs, I think it's uh, at this juncture in the draft, this is, I, I'd have to look through my picks. This is my best pick so far. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, talking to uh, Matt Broding, he is going to do a lot of the punt return and kick return, like we talked about with Bond, getting on the field and being able to block somebody and return a kick and stuff like that. That's all your coaches are looking for. That gets you on the field faster. I love the Grays pick. I think he's he's a stud next year for sure. He'll at least be wide receiver two, wide receiver three. We'll see what happens next year for sure. Great pick, and I love the value at 206. I'm surprised that he lasted this long for sure. Definitely. All right, Jared, let's do – Number seven, I think we'll just go to two rounds this time and we'll do another episode and do three and four probably to do that. So let's move into 207. Jared, who you got, buddy? So again, like Mitch said earlier, my, my strategy is not a secret here, y'all. I was ready to pick Keon Grays here because, again, I'm just going for systems. I'm mm -hmm. just picking dominant teams in their fields that are just known to grab guys. And again, I would have taken Grays here. Just look at the guys I've grabbed. Wide receiver out of Alabama, running back out of Alabama, quarterback out of Alabama, uh, running back out of Texas, running back out of Penn State. <laughs> yes. Like you are like my secret is not, I'm not hiding the ball here. I'm going to go with the guy here. I think might be a little bit of a reach, but it still kind of fits into that system idea. I'm going to take Cartavius Norton running back out of there Iowa State. The antivirus. Let's go. Uh, again, it feels like a, a bit of a reacher, but I'm sold on the upside of Norton. I like Jairo Brock for this year, but he is a step down in quality from Brees Hall. There's no denying that. And I think Norton is in the same mold as a Brees Hall, as a David Montgomery, and he's already getting praise from the staff after enrolling early. Not much evidence of him getting a ton of receiving work yet, but however, if he's able to refine, refine that skill, look out for Norton to overtake Brock by year two, maybe even earlier if Jairo Brock really does stumble this year. I'm going to take Cartavius Norton. Yeah, when I was uh, when me and Austin, we had him on in there as well. Uh, he just reminds me of an Ohio State player. And I remember talking to Mitch and we're like, Brock doesn't seem to fit that mold at, at Iowa State. And not that I don't 
hate on the kid. I think he's got talent. I just think Norton's got the tangibles to get it done and be more durable. Uh, this would be the first that I've heard talk of him in the second round. So this is definitely interesting. I would love to hear the feedback. He's definitely rising, I would say. He's For definitely sure. rising. Yeah, Maybe I that's mean, me pushing it right now. But again, I mean, this that, is a real draft. This is where I'd be taking him yeah. right now. And I don't, you know, you know, people like Austin and Colin that, you know, hype this kind of guy when I didn't even know about the kid like two months ago, you know, because he's a three star. I was trying to work my way down the rosters and stuff like that. I'm just like, holy cow, this guy actually, you know, might be able to be a Brees Hall, David Montgomery type replacement if Brock just can't get it done or becomes RBBC or something like that in particular as well. So I love the pick. Uh, I definitely think that's the way to go. I think it's time that we keep the ball rolling and it's going to be systems. And so we have to go with, let's see, where is he at? I have to go with Caden Saunders because Penn state is always going to have one, you know, at least one stud wide receiver, possibly two right now with Mitchell Tinsley blowing up and stuff like that. There's always the possibility of a transfer coming in, especially with Penn state. But the good thing is once they get it in, they lock their roster. So it seems like Penn state is pretty set for the most part is what we can see. Uh, we saw spurts of Caden Saunders. We didn't see him a lot, but he also got, you know, work here as the, uh, you know, the wide receiver. I do think it's, uh, you know, Tinsley Washington. And next year we're going to probably see, um, I, I call him by his initials, but the other wide receiver three will probably be his year. But I do case Caden Saunders moving up into a wide receiver two, possibly overtaking for a wide receiver role. System, system, system. So I'm going to go take Penn State's wide receiver, Caden Saunders, even though I think it's a tad bit of a reach. I don't think he would make it very far into round three. So I'm going to go ahead and grab him here now. So, Mitch, what do you think, bud? Uh, I like that pick, and I'll go with another muscle guy here uh, oh, yes. with Trevante Citizen. Great pick. Uh, Again, I don't um, I don't expect him to explode early, um, but to just to give everybody a, a, again a little different perspective, you should stick to system. Jared is giving you great advice. The second bit of advice that you ought to take is go with the athlete. Uh, Branson Robinson is an athlete. Trevante Citizen is an athlete. I shared with you guys again. I'm looking for uh, six foot three quarters. Uh, you know, to six foot five eleven three quarters. That bit. Uh, that can run fast. That's what I'm looking for first. Trevante Citizen, uh, he'll eventually be a very good running back, so I'm fine with that. Absolutely. Yeah, I think he's going to get his turn, especially at Miami. Uh, and I think you're only really looking maybe – I know it's you know un, undetected as far as who's actually going to wind up being. Uh, you know, There's different reports in camp, but I still, still think by next year we see Citizen kind of move to the top of this. Uh, yeah, I expect, I expect Knighton to lead the – the pack yeah. this year, yes. because honestly, I mean, wouldn't we all say if Trevante Citizen was uh, the clear cut number one running back that we would have taken him like third? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He'd be well yeah. into the first round. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, anyway, that that's a good pick. I, I like what we're doing here with Norton, Saunders, Citizen, all good. And Grays, this is a good run here mm. of picks. Yes. All right, Jared, let's keep the ball rolling, man. This is your last pick of the round. Who you got? Uh, I'm going to take one of your boys, uh, Brandon. I'm going to take Mr. Andre Green Jr., wide receiver out of UNC. <laughs> Once again, systems, go, just go looking for that guy that's going to be the next proven wide receiver at UNC. We've seen guys like Daz Newsome, Deami Brown, recently the dominance of Joshua Downs. Um, it, like Receivers in this offense can produce, and there just hasn't been one more hyped by the coaching staff that I've seen in recent years than Andre Green Jr. Coach Mac Brown lamented the fact that he couldn't play him in spring practice and games. He has the athleticism, speed, agility, strength. They're all there. 
And if he can just put it together, his route running abilities, I do think he'll be the next CFF wide receiver we want out of UNC. I would love, love, love to be able to get him here at the end of the second round in any draft. Absolutely. Uh, he is on campus now to there as well. He just didn't quite make the spring game. Like I said, Mac Brown was so bummed. He tried. He even reached out to NCAA. They told him no. So he cried a little bit on the inside because he wanted people to see the talent that is Andre Green Jr. But don't be surprised by fall if he hasn't caught up to the rest of these guys. Um, you, you know, you're going to see uh, you're going to see the super senior out on the other side. But don't be surprised if you're going to start seeing rotation here pretty shortly with Andre Green getting on the field. Just too big and bad to, to stay out there on the outside, man. He's just he's ready to rock and roll. So I'm excited to see what North Carolina has in store with the next quarterback in green here as the possible wide receiver one starting next year. So definitely, definitely intrigued here as well. All right, since you took my guy, I have to take guy that I think deserves to be up here. And that is going to be that Mr. was Ashton. gonna be my great pick. that was gonna be my yeah, last nice, pick. nice, nice. I'll give it Boise to you. Talk, talk him up. I think this is a great selection. So, love Ash and Jitsi, three-star running back. Uh, I had him on during the Chris Moxley episode, episode three. Mox laid it straight. Ash and Jitsi is just an absolute stud. How he made it to Boise State and another guy's uh, – he's only been able to play running – or, like, football, right? Like, two years, three years tops on that one as well. Came in – he was an all-athlete, so he played defense. He's an Iron Man, so he can get it done. He understands against defenses. He's quick. He's agile. Uh, he's just got the tangibles to be a Boise State running back. He just looks like he's ready to rock and roll. I think he gets production this year. Uh, Helani just doesn't stay healthy. He's just one of those guys you don't trust. You play him, you know, a game or two, you regret it. Now that we have the sweet, um, you know, substitution thing going on at fan tracks, uh, you know, I'll be ready to rock and roll. Hopefully if you're a Helani owner, you immediately need to go after Ashton Genty. I mean, I, I get it. It's going to be different when it comes to your actual dynasty leagues and what your needs are. But Ashton Genty in 211, there's no way I'm going to let this guy drop to the third. He's a starter, and I think he can produce easily three years solid. Ashton Genty's that guy. I go for him for sure. Yeah. Add in the fact that Helani can never stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Like, even if Gen- even if they try to go with him first, like there's a good chance that GNT just gets carries because Holani can't carry the load. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that was going to be my uh, selection Snipe here. You. I wrote um, I wrote down nine running backs that I felt were underdrafted in this form, and it's who if if we were going to do I don't know if we are or not, but if we were going to continue in the third round, I was going to. Start with my list. Genty was number one on that list. The reason that he's at Boise and not anywhere uh, larger is he's only 5'9". He's a little light. Uh, So the size of him makes him that smaller school running back. Uh, Great reports out of uh, practice already about the kid. Uh, And the thing with Holani that I'll say that maybe you guys are too nice to say, he's just not that good. Mm. Uh, uh, Even when he plays, he's just not that good. Uh, I've, I've had Halani every season. He isn't the Boise running backs of days gone by and, and definitely not even from the Ian Johnson days. He's just right. not, he's not that good. And Genty could be that good. So no, great pick. I loved it. Uh, so rocking on then with me, with this pick, I will go to my next guy that I expect to get playing time early. Wow. And that's Maryland. Mr. Brown yeah. of Maryland. Um, yes. The C2C uh, ranking sheet actually was cool. I didn't know he was that high on everybody else's list. So I was like, well, uh, I do think he's going to get playing time early. I like um, his size-speed combo. I like his skill set. Uh, again, Maryland's wacky. It is. It's wacky. So, yeah. like, 
It doesn't fit Jared's system mold here. No, the Maryland not. running back is not sexy. But I think he's going to get touches early. And then moving forward, I think he has the capability of holding everybody off. So he's your guy on a bad team that gets 75 to 80% of the touches. So when you watch Maryland and they're on the one-yard line, he's going to get the touchdown, which is always fun. So that'll that's uh, – Genty and then Brown, those were my uh, two play them early guys. Mm-hmm. What do y'all think about Brown? I like Brown a lot. I think he's got a fast track to start. Um, I mean, Maryland's done it before. I like uh, Strickland, who came out of Maryland as well. I thought he was a decent running back, especially in CFF. I mean, he got stuck behind there in Pittsburgh, so he really wasn't able to kind of really break out the way he, he could have, but he had the talent too. He was just behind Le'Veon Bell, so what do you do back when Bell's in his prime, right? So, you know – but they've produced good starters. I do think that, uh, you know, you know, the little Tua and those guys, they're going to be looking for the wide receiver. But it's almost like they're trying to find the identity of wide receiver one just because Jared's not doing it. DeMoss is still coming back from injury. Uh, I mean, they got some you know, other good guys and stuff like that as far as, like, in the wings are coming back from a year one injury and stuff like that. So it's questionable. So what do you do? You, you know, maybe you move to the run game and, you know, kind of surprise people. So, yeah. and I think Brown could catch out the backfield from what I saw. I don't think he's like a – super athletic you know you know catcher or anything like that but i think he's got the tangibles to be a three down back and kind of stay on the field and T- he touch hog. I, I think he could be a touch hog and that's yeah. and that's what you would be hoping for if you selected him here what what how about you jared how low are you on mr brown i mean you hit the nail on the head when you said that like he doesn't fit my system mold and that's probably why i have him lower than you than you do but i will say if I remember correctly, he's not much farther down. Like if we went to the fourth round, you'd probably see him, me take him there if he was available. Um, because you, you're right. Again, he's clearly talented going to a non-traditional power five school. Like you love to see that kind of stuff because again, there's not as much competition. The other thing that kind of strikes me is Talia Tagovailoa has kind of elevated the Maryland passing game, I'd say over the past couple of seasons that he's been there. What happens when he's gone? Do we really believe that they have a next quarterback that's up and ready to go and to produce with those wide receivers? I don't think they do. At least I haven't seen it yet. So why not shift back over to the run? Ramon Brown's going to be there longer than Talia Tagovailo is going to be. So I wouldn't yep. be shocked if he became that dude for Maryland. Yep, I absolutely agree. All right. I think we should stop here at the first two rounds. Um you know, of course, if you guys really are enjoying this comment, uh, I want I want to keep going. <laughs> Me too, dude. I mean, we no, no round do three. It, We're not going to do, do, right. do all it. All right, all right, all right. We'll do one more round. This will be the longest okay. episode, but I don't care because this is worth it. So it's a special. Right. It's a special. it is a special. We'll we're actually we'll put it as a, a special in there as well. So one more round. I want to see these I, running backs because I think we're going to fight for some running backs here soon. So. Real quick, before we go into the third round, I'm going to yep. say my best deal and biggest reach that weren't mine. Uh, Keon Gray's I think was the best value in this in this round. I mm-hmm. was really hoping I was going to be able to get him there, and I would say probably the biggest reach in my opinion is Kalen Sanders. I agree with you on the Penn State wide receiver. I just don't think Saunders is going to be that guy. Uh, I haven't okay. seen I haven't seen him kind of reach that higher level. He doesn't remind me of a Dotson. He doesn't remind me of some of the other guys we've seen. Okay. And I'm going to share with you some strategy that maybe Brandon is going to take from me. So we'll see. Sure. Um, the guys that I'm about to spot shadow and draft uh, would not fit the draft predictor. Um, you got to know who your buddies are drafting, what list are they using? Who are they, mm-hmm. who are they listening to? 
because if you take a uh, Brown like I did right there, but your buddies weren't going to take him into the fourth round, then you actually did draft Brown one round too early, sure. whether you're right or not. But I'm going to talk about some running back soon when it's my picks that you're all going to say that I'm reaching for. And I'm reaching for them because I think they're good and they're going to play. But mm-hmm. that's actually not how to win. True. How to True. win is to know your competition and to get value. So I'm going to go with some unvaluable picks here in a minute. But Jared, kick off round three, dog. All right, let's do 301. So I actually have somebody here at the top of my board, but I'm curious to see if they even make it through round three. So I'm actually going to skip them because I'm, okay. I'm starting to question my value of them because I thought Strategy. I was low on them. But the fact that they're now at the top of my board kind of tells me like, oh, maybe I could go even lower with this. So I'm going to take a little thing out of Mitch's uh, hat there and see if I can get it maybe as my last pick. We'll see. Um, but I'm going to go again. Uh, I'm not going to say non-traditional, but I don't hear a lot of people talking about this. Nate, you're going to love me for this one. I'm going to go running back Jalen Glover running back to Utah. Okay. Uh, short, short little guy. He's a uh, five foot seven, but he's 205 pounds. Dude is like the living embodiment of a tree trunk when you watch him play. <laughs> nice. And I love watching him play. He is an absolute bowling ball going through. And he's got a, he, like, again, like I mentioned before, system, system, system. You want the Utah running back. Uh, right now, Tavian, Tavian Thomas is the guy for this upcoming year. No yeah. doubt about that. But that room behind him, doesn't tell doesn't seem like the kind of room that I need to be scared of with a guy like Jalen Glover. I think Jalen Glover is the future of the running back room. Again, short and stocky. He runs like a bulldozer through D lines and then shows some surprising quickness for a guy of his height and weight. Like I said, he's very short, very big for his size. Uh, he's received praise from the Utah coaching staff as an early enrollee. That's something I always love to see. You definitely don't want the guys that the coaches just aren't talking about. Uh, again, the depth chart situation in front of him is pretty favorable. Tavian Thomas likely gone after this year. And then Micah Bernard has really never been able to separate himself in that room. Uh, a transfer in could be an issue, but the last transfers that were brought in, which was Chris Curry and TJ Pledger, ended up being more depth guys than anything else. And it was the homegrown talent in Tavian Thomas that was able to take over that running back room. So I like Jalen Glover here. I think he is able to, if not get some work this year, definitely could be taken over the backfield for Utah by year two. Yep, I, I agree. I think Jalen Grover does have the fast track to kind of take over as the Tavian Thomas replacement. And Utah just has proven time and time again, whether it's Zach Moss or whoever that you've seen in the past, regardless of weight and stuff like that, they, they get the job done and, they, and then they move on. So I, I do like that as well. Let's move on and let's keep the running backs going. So I have to go with someone that was recently on the – C2C that's Mr. Damian Martinez. Great You're pick. in my great back pick. pocket. That was going to be my next selection, no, too. That, so you just got me. Great pick. So great this pick. is Jared. When Jared was cat sitting, even the cat loves Damian Martinez. Okay. So Damian Martinez, perfect situation. I get it. There's some transfers in. It's going to be a competition, but you should listen to the podcast with Damian Martinez. The kid is a baller. He thinks nothing about football. His teammates uh, love the kid. He's in a win situation. Oregon State, he doesn't even care about NIL. He reminds me of the Archman, like we talked about off of the podcast temporarily. He's not looking for money. He's looking for situation and to better his chances at the NFL. I love Oregon State as an option. Uh, we've had some producers out of Oregon State. 
love the pick. So what do you, you seen? You guys seem to be sentiment as well. So what are your thoughts on Damian Martinez? Dude, I love Damian Martinez. I love watching him in the spring game. Like again, Deshaun Fenwick, I think is going to be the guy this year. I think they're going to go with seniority over the talented young guy. But again, when I watched him in the spring game, um, Martinez just struck me as by far the most talented player on the field at times. And I think it will not, it will not take long for him to become the guy for Oregon state at the very latest year two, especially if Fenwick does what every other Oregon state running back has uh, done the past couple of years. And that's just go to the NFL too early. And so I think Damian Martinez will be a guy that you're going to love having on your roster. And again, round three, man, I thought he was going to be a guy that I'd, I'd be able to scoop up in like round four or something like that. I guess I'm going to have to bump him up on my big board just a little bit more in yeah, order to make well. sure that I get him because I love Davey Martinez. You got me with Genty. You got me with Martinez. Both of those were good selections. I actually think Martinez will be the lead back by the end of the season. Uh, I think he's the most talented back. Uh, at this juncture, again, I think it was an outstanding selection. Um so it's my pick, and I guess I better get my running backs while I go. Uh, I'm going to go Tevin White, okay. Arizona State. Arizona right. State's um, program is in disarray. Mm-hmm. Um, they have Xavier Valaday, who is not that good. And that's another thing that we just – we don't talk about a lot in fantasy circles, but one, because it's just mean. You're talking about a 20-year-old kid who's doing all he can – but I watched Xavier Valade get beat out uh, solidly by Titus Swin last year. Uh, mm-hmm. By the end of the year, Valade was very pedestrian. You could see, or I could see, because I watched all those Wyoming games, because I actually switched backs from Valade to Swin because Swin became the guy. So I'm not worried about that at all. What uh, I'm curious about is the next regime. Um, I don't, I don't think White is an immediate producer, but I like his talent, and honestly. I, I don't like Validate. So I actually think I could get lucky in this selection and White play. So I like Tevin White. What do y'all say? I'm not a huge fan of Tevin White, mostly because I just I don't believe in the talent too much. And then just throw in the fact that Arizona State is in complete disarray. He's going to have to be one that I get proven wrong on, and I'm willing to take the L on him. No, um, it's cool. I, yeah, I like Tevin White. I just personally, I think you could have got him. You know, but, you know, a few rounds. But I do like your system as far as the way you program your running backs. I mean, you have a different recruiting style and stuff like that. So I do respect the heck out of that. I just think you may could have got him in the fourth, fifth, you know, a little bit lower. Again, uh, but I like it. So I guess the great, right? News has it that Tevin White is playing. And I know that Valade is no good. Yeah. And that's the thing. Okay. Sometimes, again, on, on the – no. <laughs> God, he's not any good either. So, again, like I, I prefaced before this round began, this the draft predictor, you wouldn't pick mm-hmm. Tevin White. Tevin White is going to be there next round. But I want Tevin White because I think he's going to play. Mm-hmm. See, that's the deal. Uh, sometimes, though, you got to be right. Like Jared said he wanted to wait and see if he was proven wrong. Well, I would just as soon draft the guy and just be correct. But the thing is, you got to be right. Uh, Jalen Glover, uh, in a similar mold, the guy's not going to play at all next year and could easily just be the running back for Utah State. He's five foot seven. When you get to the 30th and 40th and 50th kids in a class, they all have warts. Yep. So Tevin White is not a masterful athlete. But he seems to already be better than Xavier, uh, Xavier Valade. 
So anyway, just, uh, you know, more guys. So who you got next, Jared? Um, so I kind of flashed up on the screen, so I spoiled it a little bit for those watching on YouTube. But um, okay. again, just going back to the whole system thing here, again, Aaron Anderson, another wide, another borderline four or five-star wide receiver going to Alabama. I'll take that in the third round of a freshman draft. Again, I don't necessarily super believe in Anderson because, again, he's, he's he's short. He's five foot nine. He could probably stand to grow just a little bit more. He'll probably, uh, again, because that's what – teenage boys do as they continue growing but he'll probably get up into the 510 511 range 185 pounds wide receiver not bad um but again pretty much everything i've said about Bama wide receivers applies here anderson has shown abilities to create plays all over the field and his special teams work will likely earn him some early playing time for the time kind of similar to how jojo earl played last year um but we've and i got like i mentioned he's small but we've seen smaller wide receivers put up some big numbers at alabama in the past uh, Anderson is known to be utilized in slants and short passing games, something that Bama has excelled at for years. But again, this late in the draft, just give me another shot at a Bama wide receiver. And if he doesn't work out, he'll probably do well somewhere else. Yeah, I agree. You, you can take him with the, uh, the option of possibly a transfer if he just gets too crowded in that end of system. I will say Aaron Anderson rose up uh, later at 24-7 when I was looking at 22 recruiting as I was putting together the list and stuff like that. Anderson was a late riser, so I like that he was starting to climb even higher right on up there to the Shaz Preston one, so that's saying a lot from the recruits themselves saying that Aaron Anderson has the talent to get it done. So you can't just dismiss that. So that's no. where, you know, I look at that, you know, and I do get, you know, stuff like Corey Pereira, of course, who's on our debut team, speaks highly of Aaron Anderson and a few other guys there as well. So I do, you know, I take that and I kind of sprinkle that information. So I do like Aaron Anderson as well. Uh, again, I think, you know, systems, you know, I understand. I might sound like a broken record here, but again, Bama can literally have the, they have their pick of the litter every yeah, single year of wide receivers. If they choose to let Aaron Anderson commit to them, that to me says a lot. That to mm -hmm. me tells them they believe that he has a shot to be a starting wide receiver. So I'm not going to like immediately doubt him because, oh, he's a little too short. If Bama wants him, Bama got him. And as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> that's enough for me at some point, especially in the third round of a freshman draft. Yeah, absolutely. Just remember, listeners, uh, oftentimes uh, the greatest fantasy scores play for Toledo. Everybody doesn't have to play for Alabama. But again, if as you, you see, as you see pretty. with Jared, uh, man, I took the words right out of my mouth. He's got a system. It's got a hit rate. Aaron Anderson is likely to be really good. You can't go wrong if you're taking the systems. All right, let's move on. So I'm going to take the 305, and honestly, I skipped this guy because I wanted to see if he falls because a lot of people are actually forgetting him, and that is my boy, T-Mac. Dang, talk dang about you, Brandon. Arizona. I was hoping you know he was going to smack you. Is that the guy you were waiting on to? That, that's who I was going to grab on my next one if he was so, there. So listen, we're going from Alabama to Arizona, right? And when you hear Arizona, you want to cringe, right? You just want to be like, why – what happened to the days of Rob Gronkowski's Arizona team, right? It hasn't been the same. They're in a changeover situation, but T-Mac is a wide receiver one. He's a, probably a big fish in the, you know, the, the last part of the FBS pond, you know what I'm saying? Right before it drops into, you know, G5 and stuff like that. Arizona is a P5 school, barely, but it doesn't matter because T-Mac is all over the field and catching everything. We all saw the spring game. We all thought that we were going to see a Jacob Cowing situation, but it seems like T-Mac is just taking over immediately. 
I had to go because it's a media production. This is CFF. I'm looking for three years. Uh, and that's where, you know, we eliminate the system. We go for the opportunity and we look at the talent. And T-Mac could have chose Oregon. He could have just been another guy at Oregon and said he wanted to be top dog at Arizona. I respect the heck out of that. The kid's a baller. I'm yeah. going T-Mac at 305 for sure. I, I like this selection. And if I shared my screen with you guys, I, I'm not exaggerating. My top wide receiver that I wanted to pick was T-Mac. My top running back, which I'll go ahead and select right now, is Coleman. Yes. Oh, Coleman's like a great one here. And I'm not kidding. The top oh, quarterback, the top quarterback, again, not on the predictor tool. Like this isn't who you're supposed to take. Mm -hmm. But if you want to know what quarterback right now that you could draft in this universe that'll score the most points it's arizona's quarterback fafita yeah he's gonna get the he's gonna get the job he's better he's than those guys. he's better than him i i when i watched that game i watched uh a lot of that game this morning and coleman first and t-mac just jumped off the page oh yeah but every good pass i kept saying whoa 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 is that that's the other guy that's and i kept Delora. saying that and then i just put i was like fafita's the guy now again uh, probably won't be for the first four or five games, but Delore is not good. If he was good, he'd have been good. He ain't good. So anyway, I like where Arizona is going. I love the McMillan pick, and I just wanted to pick Coleman to say I'm on the Arizona tip too, dude. I think they're yeah. on the come. Good job. I have been Go very ahead. impressed what Jed Fisher has been doing over at Arizona, and I don't yeah. blame you whatsoever. To feed him a little bit hesitant on mostly because again he's so short for a quarterback. Yep. Uh, yep. So I'm a, I I I wouldn't take him this early, and I do think he would be somebody I'd probably take several rounds from now, especially if other people just are off of him completely. Yeah. I can't, I'll take a shot on him. Cause I agree with you, Mitch. He looked like the best quarterback in the Arizona state spring or the Arizona spring game. So like, I will, I'll I will take a guy share, like that. If, if you haven't watched it, watch the clips. I can tell you one thing for dang sure. He's the funnest. He sure. is the funnest of the quarterbacks that he made a throw. And I was just like, Oh, come on, dude. Hey. So he is <laughs> one of those guys that's going to make you say, no, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. Very Matt Corralish. Oh in man. His yes. Early decision-making. We all uh, remember when Corral threw, uh, Corral threw like 700 interceptions that day against LSU. So, oh anyway. my gosh. This, yeah. The general call and T-Mac. Just Arizona in general just reminds me of a good day of CFF when just any outcome is absolutely possible and you're just waiting for the blow up. So you're just waiting for the 20 plus point gain coming from some of these guys. And the did team. you guys see the same thing I did with Coleman? I think he's the best running back. Is there? Yeah, oh, I, I like Rayshon. I would, I would but, be surprised. Yeah. Rayshon's like a hybrid. I don't think exactly. he's going to be he's like the, that traditional running back role. Yeah. He runs um, in the A chain a lot as far as his speed and stuff like that, for sure. Very so, similar. Yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, Coleman's going to get touches early. So Absolutely. I thought I have one more name for Arizona since we're on the Arizona hype train Let's here. Um, train. But this is this is not going to be somebody where it's, I'm taking here or anything like that. But um, they got a freshman tight end there, uh, Burnett. A pretty high four-star tight end that I think could be getting some early work there. If you're a guy that is willing to take a tight end in a freshman draft, I know some people mm -hmm. just probably would rather go for the waiver wire on those guys, and I don't entirely blame you, but, like, He's somebody that if you're going to a deep freshman draft and you're just looking for guys to stash away, I'd probably take a shot on him. Yeah, um, sure. I'm going to go back to the running back position here. Once again, I'm sticking on this train of system, system, system. Who doesn't love the Oklahoma uh, State running back one? Like and it. I'm going to plant my flag here on Ollie Gordon. We've seen it over and over again the last couple of years that when OSU finds their guy to ride or die on, it is incredible 
for college fantasy. Last year is Jalen Warren. Before that, it was Chuba Hubbard. And, uh, and for in 2019 and 2020, before injuries kind of took him out, Gordon is the, is the exact mold of a Gundy lead back. And we likely would have seen him get some earlier playing time. But unfortunately, he was injured on the first play of their spring showcase practice game, whatever you want to call it. If Gordon can come back healthy and take advantage of a very weak running back room at Oklahoma State right now, he could have his expected role as a lead back by the end of the year. And then you have a two-year starter at running back for Oklahoma State minimum. So I'm absolutely willing to take a shot on him here. Yep, absolutely. I love Ollie Gordon. I love the opportunity. Uh, he'll be he'll be man. He'll be good to go. I think come fall time, you know, he'll, he'll have the the you know what he needs to kind of compete and get the job done as well. Uh, wasn't it? Was it Jalen Warren who was out of Oklahoma State? Yes. Before him, look look at the opportunity and what the outcome could be in CFF. I mean, Ollie Gordon just slots right in there. I love that as well. So let's move on three hundred six. And I'm sorry, but the value is it's just too much. We have to go ahead and take. Okay, Klubnik, it's time. Let's, I was wondering if he would it. make it through the third round. I Honestly, you could probably wait to the fourth. This is CFF. If this is C2C, he would be gone way from now. But let's talk CFF for a second. Listen, I get it. It's Clemson, right? And the kid's not developed immediately. But if you can get him in the third round and you can wait a year, look at the weapons. I mean, we, there's two of them that we haven't selected. One, you have to wait That's a year true. for. So he's going to get value. And if we, you know, you know, if we decide we want to do like a rounds four through seven or episode or something like that. We're going to see those wide receivers come off the board, maybe in the third. I don't know what you guys have in store. I get it. Clemson is not sexy right now. They're having a hard time. DJU is not that guy. I think Klubnik still has to develop, but I still think he gets on the field this year, if not definitely next year. And uh, the kid's going to have at least some good days because there's going to be some teams in the ACC that just can't produce. Now, this year, my flag is Will Shipley and Will Shipley only in Clemson, all right? So, I mean, don't get me wrong. That's why I went and I uh, traded for Shipley. I needed a guy that can get the job done. But Klubnik at this value, I can't say no to that. And, you know, a guy that's supposed to be, you know, an NFL guy and stuff like that in particular, he's going to develop. So why not just sit for the year and, and get the job done? So that's where I'm coming from. I see the cringe. So let me have it. <laughs> No, Brand, I told you, like this this was my guy that I was higher on my board, but now I'm really starting to think I'm gonna drop him even lower because I it's thought I was already pretty me. low on him. I thought he would have been long gone by the time he got there. And I'm just sitting here thinking, like, man, if people are this off on him, like I I this is Klubnik's not a guy that I'm looking to uh, he he he's gonna have to fall late for me to like go after him. He's not a guy that I'm like gonna aggressively look for or anything like that. It was funny because I at the beginning of this whole offseason. Brent, I remember the first episode of this podcast, yeah. you had Klubnik as one of the top three guys you were expecting yep. to be on the top. I have times have changed. <laughs> times have changed because we've seen him get there to Clemson. He's not taking over the quarterback job like some people thought he might be able to. And with that, his value just plummeted. Now, granted, I think he'll be the number two this year because, again, Fomachon's out of there. I don't even remember. Uh, they got Hunter Johnson, but like, he, let's be real. He's a grad assistant that's just going to yep. hold a clipboard. Um, they're just looking for a way to get him to scholarship. I, again, the problems with Clemson's offense runs deeper than just a quarterback position. And Clubnick's not going to be the guy that could fix it per se, because they got to figure out that O-line situation. They're starting to figure out the receiver position. Again, a guy I'm probably going to take here. Stop it. Clubnick sucks. Just stop. (laughs) Don't draft him. Oh my God. Let him fall. 
Fellas, sometimes you gotta look with your eyes, dog. The kid ain't that good. Why y'all making me? I gotta disagree. I, I think he looks he's good. good. Just, no, I don't he, think he's he set actually, up for success at no, Clemson. He doesn't look good. He's not a good quarterback. He's not. Okay, so uh, I've watched his footwork. Uh, he falls off of his passes too often. Uh, he doesn't step into his foes. He does not have a strong arm because of that. He is naturally weaker than I would want to see an elite quarterback. Like, uh, if you look at what Kyle McCord was in high school and what Clay, uh, Kate Klubnick is now, dog, it ain't close. Oh, uh, who are the two guys on this list? Let me go back up here. Uh, Hauser and Horn. They're both way better than Kate Klubnick at playing quarterback. They're way better. So, so what if like Klubnick's not going to ever be good. He's not, especially in CFF fantasy. You talked about the Penn State kid not being a good athlete and being able to run around. You think that little dude is going to get a bunch of rushing yards without getting his, you know, tail knocked in the dirt? Just no chance. Don't do it. Push him down. Let somebody else have him. All right. Uh, So that's that's my uh, two cents there. Would you think the expectation if Klubnik did transfer out? You see the picture differently, kind of like if rather leaves Oklahoma. If he can't, SC, if he can't win know, that Clemson job, then yeah, Clubnick was never valuable in the first place. Well, then he shouldn't have been a five star. Then they got it wrong. You know, they just have sometimes to they do. Game, you know, look, yeah. look, sometimes they do. Um, you know, sometimes a five star running back just don't run with the heart. Uh, yeah. And sometimes a five star quarterback might be smart as mm-hmm. can be. He just isn't that good. Yeah. That's what I see. The kid just ain't that good. And like uh, Jared said, if he was that good, he'd have already been the quarterback already. So anyway, I, I just, yeah, I'll, I'll pass. Okay, right. well, I'm going to go on go a guy it. that you shouldn't draft at this point of the draft either, but I <laughs> like the big fish small pond. I'm going like Terrence it. Gibbs running back good Georgia call. Southern. Uh, you get a kid who was recruited by Alabama that ends up at Georgia Southern because of some injuries. Uh, this is a very feast or famine selection. Uh, We don't know if he's ever going to be what he was prior to his injury. Uh, But reports that I've read, and I did some newspaper article looking yesterday, um, kid's in great shape. So uh, I think uh, Big Fish Small Pond, I'll go Terrence Gibbs here. I'm sure it's way too early on the draft predictor, but it's a very open backfield with a kid with oodles of talent that they would like to showcase to get kids like him to come. So I think there's also some political motivation out there for my guy. Uh, and Moss and Allen, Andrew Paul, these are probably all running backs that you should select in front of Gibbs, but I like Gibbs. What do y'all think? So uh, I, I'm okay. rooting for Gibbs, like Me from too. just a, like a heart standpoint. Like I want him to return to form and everything. From a fantasy perspective, just – you're right. Too too early, too risky for me to take him here. You're right. If he does get back on track and he is just the lead back for Georgia Southern, that could be great. You have a three-year starter right there, which is always a value in CFF. Um, but again, I personally wouldn't be willing to take him here. I'd probably wait probably more in the round five, six range than taking him here. But again, this is where you get more into people start taking my guys. Like there, this yep. is where consensus really does start to break down just a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Would you would you have selected Ott from Ott is an intriguing one. Because uh, that was California. my that'll be my next selection if you guys don't pick him as Ott. And I kind of feel again just similar. Got to have I would some. Ra- I would much rather take Ott here in the third round than than Terrence Gibbs. 
Cool. Mm-hmm. All right, I guess we'll move on to my guy here. And again, I'm going to break off my board here because I'll tell you who I would pick if I was sticking to my board, and that would have been Jordan James out of Oregon. Uh, but I'm going to throw just the tight end out here. Okay. And again, you might say it's too early, or you might say mm-hmm. I'm not going to draft any tight ends whatsoever in a CFF freshman draft. That's fine. But Oscar Delp's the one to own here, guys. Yes. Um, Georgia, I know Georgia, a lot of people were scared off about the Georgia depth tight end room. And for this year, yeah, I don't expect Oscar Delp to be the guy this year. But after this year, Eric Gilbert and Darnell Washington are going to be off to the NFL. We still got another year of Brock Bowers. And you're like, oh, Brock Bowers is still there. Guys, Georgia runs like two, three tight end sets constantly right now because of the depth mm-hmm. they have at the position. Oscar Delp will be out on the field this year and next year. Do not worry. He is going to get his like he is going to get his at some point during his career, and you will have a starting tight end for CFF fantasy. I don't want to say guaranteed because nothing's guaranteed in CFF dynasty, but is he to me out of the tight ends, he is the closest to a guaranteed tight end that you can get. Yep. I'm, I, I'm gonna zag on this. Uh if you're not getting an early production tight end, which dealt I don't think we'll either have eight touchdowns or 800 yards at probably for two years, maybe. I just, I I think at a juncture of the draft here, I would rather just take a position player that may end up being an 1,100 yard, 10 touchdown guy. But I get it. Delp's good. He's going to eat into my Brock Bowers production. Uh, Because I have Bowers in a couple of leagues, so I know he's good. I just, you know, again, we'll spot shadow the guy, but a little too early. Again, you know, yeah. I mean, just like Terrence Gibbs. Yeah. My my point here, more than anything else, is like when you're comfortable to take a tight end. If Delp is still on the board, (laughs) just grab him. And to me, he is like one of the only ones that I'm just like I'm willing to kind of reach up on for than all the other ones. I mentioned Burnett earlier out of Arizona. I like him too, but Delp to me is like the clear like. Especially for C to C, he's a value in C to C right now. I am, oh, yeah. I, I am so shocked at how low he goes in C to C leagues right now. He is going to be an NFL tight end at one point. Mm-hmm. I agree. Me personally, like I like to look for that tight end with the obscure G five teams or whatever. So the kid out of Cincinnati, I love. I'm also True. big uh, RJ Maryland, who we had as a big fish small pond out of SMU, one of the highest recruits in SMU history, coming in, and the kid has pedigree. His dad was the first pick overall to the Dolphins in like '91 or whatever. So I mean, like he's got the pedigree, right? So I look for that type of value. But I love Oscar Delpe. Would be if a guy, if I'm going to take him, I usually wait tight end like seventh, eighth round. But that's just strategy on my end. If I'm taking a higher pedigree guy, so Delpe at seven or eighth. But if you want value, RJ Maryland. Uh, the kid of Cincinnati that can't pronounce his name, stuff like that you can get later on. Throw, sure. throw your tight end chips at one of the few uh, Texas A&M tight ends that were recruited. They're yeah. all, they got like three of them. Yes, yeah. they're all ridiculously talented. So what I would suggest for your listeners, be last. Take the third guy. Or Wait down. until whoever – well, in a draft like this, say it's going to be a 12-round a uh, draft. Wait until the other two Aggie tight ends are selected. Take the third, whichever one you, whichever is left, because it's going to be a roll of the dice of who eventually wins. And the Aggies uh, can produce good fantasy tight ends. So, uh, you know, that I'm not drafting a tight end at this juncture, but I wanted to throw my two cents in at tight end. Still, this fits systems, right? Georgia and tight ends. Certainly. That's perfect, yeah. for sure. So definitely All day long. Don't disagree, for sure. 
Yeah. It's funny because two years ago, everybody kept saying that Georgia didn't know how to use the tight end correctly because of Isaac that is, Nata. That is, so, that is wrong. It's funny how <laughs> things change. Funny how things change. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to make up. Apparently, my club net pick was, was not great. So I got to make it up, guys. So we are going to go with Mr. Justin Williams out of Tennessee, the running back. I am extremely excited about Justin Williams. I think in a hypo system that Justin Williams is a credible talent. He's increased his star rating, you know, over this past year. Me and Corey had a great talk about him. Uh, he's already doing well in camp. He's only one spot away from taking the starting position. I already think he's already leaning into a RB1B type situation already. And I think with an injury, uh, you know, as far as the RB1 already happening in a previous year, that Justin Williams could just kind of like a Halani and Genty. It could be a similar thing where Justin Williams kind of takes over in this Tennessee thing. It's SEC. It's a it's a great pairing of the talent and the school. So I, I, I got to go with my boy Justin Williams here at the 311. Great. I think it's great value, especially for sure. Remind me real quick, Brandon, Does because uh, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Does Justin Williams have a ton of receiving pedigree? He's not he's not like polished or anything like that, because but he, it, has, he has some. But because if, not... if, he, if they can't utilize him out of the passing game, I don't mm-hmm. know if I really want him that much. Because, again, like obviously in a hypo system, you're going to get a ton of touchdowns. Like They're going to score mm-hmm. a ton of points. But they've never really relied on the running back position, especially one guy. Under Heupel, look back at Tennessee, look back at UCF as well. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think – I think I, there's some better values here than uh, Justin Williams, in my opinion. Although, again, I do like the guys that the coaches are talking about, and they have talked about Justin Williams plenty. So I'm not going to knock you too much. What do you think, Mitch? Uh, I think he has a chance to be a producer. Uh, and I kind of think he has a chance to be a producer early. Uh, I don't think he's a touch hog waiting to happen because I do think they are, they're certainly going to be able to continue to recruit offensive talent, which leads me to believe that it's going to be the running back by committee, maybe at best for Tennessee. Uh, so to just kind of look at it like the Ollie Gordon, Jonah Coleman, Gibbs, Tevin White, uh, Damian Martinez, like that run of guys, all of those guys could be touch hogs in a, uh, if the dice roll correctly. Mm-hmm. I don't even think if the dice really roll correctly that Justin Williams can get 22 touches a game. That's what I'd be afraid of. Not yeah. the talent or even like getting seven, 800 yards, 10 or 12 touchdowns. I don't think, I think he has a very limited upside. That's how I would put it. Yeah. So, I just see him staying on the field just because he can pass block very no, well. And, you, know what and you know what? And you and I, if, you and I are seeing so, eye to eye yeah, on this if, draft. If Hooker is just, you know, he can't, he can't find a receiver safe. They're blocked. He's gonna just dump it to Williams, especially if he's on the field, right? So, but that's where yeah. I'm like, it's a reception. I'll take the PPR. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're, it's the point. So. We're really giving the listeners two very uh, different schools of thought. Sure. Uh, Jared is sticking to big school system only. Uh, I'm going athletes that will touch the ball and you are really going very similar waters. You want people who are getting the ball. And what this really is, is a, uh, difference in, do you need help today or do you need help a year and a day from today? Uh, if you don't need help today, draft like Jared's drafting, the hit rate's going to be good. You'll boom a bunch of picks. You just ain't going to get any help this year. Yeah. Uh, if you need help again this year, then you ought to draft who me and Brandon are talking about 
and who we're drafting. Because, like, going back to the first round, Jaden Blue. Jaden's not going to help you win this year. Oh, as no. as Yeah, but he's a stud. So, you know, you're like, well, do you need help now or do you need help later? And, like, my, so my last pick, and I, this is a guy who uh, I kind of think might help you maybe now and later is Michael Allen. Another running back that I've done yeah. some research on. He is a good athlete. He has a uh, path to, you know, starting citizenship. Uh, he has a good quarterback. They don't have a very dynamic offense, but I don't mind. Again, I see Michael Allen as a guy who could slide into NC State as a four-star recruit and be a touch hog. Again, does he? could he really ever be as great as, you know, um, the uh, Jaden Blue or Jamarian Miller? No, nah, probably not. Nah. Probably not. Nope. Probably can't be as great. Uh, but you know what? I didn't pick him in the first round. I picked him at the end of the third. So you got to kind of know what you're looking for in these drafts. So, uh, so I'm going to go real quick. Uh, my favorite pick of, of that round that wasn't mine was Ollie Gordon. That was my favorite pick of that round. Uh, my least favorite pick, and we've already kicked him in the face, was, was Club Nick. Like, uh, I'd rather just pick Jared and just have a good joke and say, you know, I'm the pomegranates or whatever. So I just uh, – I don't like Club Nick. But uh, Ollie, Ollie Gordon was my favorite pick of that round. My least favorite was Club Nick. Uh, what do you see, Brandon? Who was your favorite pick of the third, and who was your least favorite? I'm sure Terrence Gibbs is probably on some of y'all's list, but what do you think? No, nah, uh I like Gibbs. I just, you know, like I said, the value, you take them later, but you weren't going for, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, lower it, it's no. a different strategy when it's best available. You're looking at person that can touch the ball now. I, yes. me, I absolutely agree. Uh, I got to say T-Mac, man. Like, I know it's my pick, but oh, gosh, it's a great pick. No, I, man, come it was on. right on my list. I, great dude, I, I, I was angry when you picked him. So <laughs> I know. It's nice pick. I love T-Mac. Uh, the one I'd probably say, I, you know, nothing against it because I understand the, the reasoning, but Oscar Dell, you're, you're going to wait way later for a tight end me personally but some mm -hmm. like i said this is different because this is best available if this wasn't best available and say jared was like i'm in desperate need of a tight end you know like someone that can produce but i have a guy yeah. that can start this year you're not going to clog up your roster especially your dynasty rosters with a lot of tight ends like i had two uh, you know dolches he's on my team on the broncos now i don't have him anymore so it's like hey goodbye i have one tight end left so i'm like i need one more good guy that could come in and help me out when marshall ford moves on right so i'm just looking to repeat 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 production production mm -hmm. production but you know in dynasty oscar delp heck yeah man especially in year two stuff like that i just wouldn't take him in the third round yeah jared, jared who who did you like who did you dislike in the third uh like again uh T Mac, uh, it was hard to go wrong with him there. Uh, the one I, I could go with Terrence Gibbs again, but here's the difference between Terrence Gibbs and the guy I'm going to say. I could see myself taking Terrence Gibbs at one point. I don't think I'm ever going to take Tevin White. I just am not a big believer in him. I don't think there's ever a round that I get to where I'm going to be looking at him and saying, All righty, now I'm going to take him. Cool, he, he'll nah. probably be taken by somebody else by that point. Yeah, I uh. I, I actually, again, I, I like his uh, touchability. Well, here's a question for y'all, and I'll, I'll go first. Like, guys that I thought would be drafted in this draft that I'm kind of surprised on, the two quarterbacks, uh, Connor Wegman, Sam Horn, uh, I, I think both of those would be good selections right now. Why do you, why do you think – well, first, why didn't you draft them? I, if I – I was about if we do round four, I was going to start drafting quarterbacks. Those are two of the guys that I like. Who who do you what do you think about those two guys? 
And I'll just throw it to Jared. Like, if you were going quarterback right now, who would you select? So, Connor Wigman, much of the same reason why I wasn't going after uh, Evan Stewart. Again, I, I need to see, again, it's not always the best strategy because if you're late, you miss out. But with AM, I'm willing to wait and miss out on this first round of guys that could change the course of the Texas AM offense, but I'll wait and see. Um, Sam Horn is somebody I might probably have to bump up just a little bit because, again, I was worried about them bringing in a quarterback this year through the transfer portal may have to wait another year and then there's always the stuff about him and baseball and stuff like that he might go to baseball uh but that didn't happen the best they brought in was jack abraham and that he's not good he's, he's not, not good. good so i think sam Horn's probably gonna bump up a little bit you asked me who would i take here i'm gonna throw two names out here if i had to go quarterback uh brady allen uh, i think he could win the job at purdue by year two and i'm kind of surprised that um again there just was a, wasn't a ton of quarterbacks coming off the board in this draft so i think that's part of it uh the other one is connor harrell quarterback at a unc just an athletic yeah, athletic dude uh really kind of showed out in the spring game um i'd absolutely take a shot on him because again i don't think he's better than howell but in terms of what he could do and the fit he has in the unc system heck yeah i think he could i think he's likely the guy at unc after may leaves so yeah. i wouldn't mind stashing him um How about you, on- brandon yeah, when, I want to touch yeah. on on Stockton, and you know this is Gunner Stockton. I, yeah, I love. Listen, Georgia is going to be untapped eventually. It's just going to take the right people. I get it. Ben Bennett's just there to get his job done. He just wants to get him back to the national championship. It's just Setson Bennett's a great, you know, field manager. He does his job. Stockton, I think, is a lot more talent. What I'm scared of is the class after that. If Arch Manning does land in Georgia the the roof's going to come undone. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to be ridiculous because now you have all these really talented five-star, four-star wide receivers at Georgia that now has a guy that can actually get it down and put it in precise places that need to do with that Manning pedigree. I get he – sometimes the decision-making of Arch Manning isn't, you know – it took Peyton his past his rookie year, you know, like to really get into that mode and stuff of that. Eli, I think, sometimes just bomb it and hope for a pair. We'll talk about the helmet catch a different time, right? But at the same time, like – the Mannings just have a way of processing things and finding the right receivers when it matters the most. He's clutch. We'll say it like that. It's clutch. If Arch Manning lands in Georgia, Stockton, I don't know if he sticks around. I think he transfers out. Oh, I'm That's sure what he scares me the most. I, so. As the Georgia guy, mm-hmm. I will yeah. say this. I think there is a – it is more likely you see Gunnar Stockton get a path to CFF relevance at a school other than Georgia. That is, that is my honest opinion. I do not think that he will be starting at Georgia, mostly because, again, I do believe Arch Manning will be landing with Georgia. Just the things I've been hearing say that that is most likely what we are heading towards. Yeah, it so, doesn't make sense that he lines up in Texas with Ewers there. Like, why would you go in and then immediately Ewers and him I'm, have to I'm, I'm not going to knock that too much. He has legitimate right. reasons to go to Texas. It's just yeah, everything I'm hearing there. points towards he's likely going to end up at Georgia. And then why would you not – you know, start arch manning in year one you know what i'm saying like it would be it really hard i get it like he's not going to get a, a easy pass like he's going to have to earn the starting position but between him and stockton like i i would take a manning hands down every time and that's just me personally so that's where stockton at that's why i think he's falling i don't know if i'm the only one that thinks like that i'm sure there's others that's just like i gotta see where arch is gonna go and then i could probably do it but it's too late your freshman draft has already happened so you have to make that decision ahead of time so that's where i sit with stockton that's why i'd probably take wyman uh, just because eventually 
you know, you have to have a starter there. Haynes King's not there much longer. Uh, I like, like Mitch is saying, I think A&M could come around because I think Jimbo is finally getting on board with the newer style of the NCAA. I get it that he, uh, you know, we, we said it, you know, to exhaustion that he likes to sit his freshman early. I don't think that's the case anymore. And we saw some of that in the spring no, game with Stewart. So I think yeah. Wyman is going to find his way on the field sooner than later. And Stockton, I, I might would take later, especially if you think he's going to go to a maybe a smaller school or, you know, just a different, like an a, if he runs an ACC school, if he went to, to Pittsburgh, yes, please. I would definitely love that, you know, like regardless without Addison, Mumford and stuff like that, I would gladly take Stockton if he was going to how about at wide receiver the guys that are left i'm surprised Mm -hmm. that both of the young clemson guys made it all the way that's two of the those would be the two guys that i would say if i'm picking soon i'm picking both those am i wrong here antonio williams is on my big board he probably would he i probably would have picked him in this next round out of randall i think i probably would have waited until probably the fifth round before i took him again unfortunately injuries uh takes away an entire year you only get a certain number of years with these guys especially at a big program like clemson those guys are built to be gone in three years um so that's already a third of your time taken away right there i'd much rather go after somebody else Uh, cj williams maybe uh crowded at usc that's where yeah. I, I get scared transfer city and we, i would say we know we know lincoln's not afraid to bring in transfers at so all. we'll see uh, oh, I'm, just, I'm just going based on five-star yeah. ability, uh, a four-star yeah. guy, but still. Uh, but, Chad, the Clemson, Antonio Williams, I think uh, he slid a little too far in this draft. He was yeah. going to be up If he had rolled round, early, I would have taken him by this point, probably. True, yeah. He's got and incredible then, talent, though. What, what do y'all see at running back? The running back that I had, I, I only had I one more on my list was Ott, uh, was I on my list, and Levy and Moss. So, who do y'all got? So Levian Moss again, going back to me, the system guy. Levian Moss, A and M, has produced. There's one thing we can't knock A and M over the past couple of years. It's been the running back position. Mm-hmm. Spiller, A chain, uh, Hen- uh, not Travion Williams. That's who it was. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been bona fide CFF studs. So why not take a shot on Moss? The, the thing that concerns me about Moss is the fact that again, A and M's recruiting has skyrocketed. It would not surprise me if they over recruited him. So I'm a little concerned there. The other name I really want to throw out here, Zach Evans. No, not that Zach Evans. Zach Evans going to Minnesota. Three-star running back, 5'9", 200 pounds. Um, Again, we all want to know who's Mohamed Ibrahim after Mohamed Ibrahim is gone. Mm -hmm. And Trey Potts looks like that guy, but health concerns have unfortunately arisen uh there and it's we can't quite rely on him like we thought we could and then a large chunk of that gophers running back room transferred out this year kai thomas cam wiley marquise irving all gone mm-hmm. so that leaves plenty of opportunity for the newest face in town zach evans evans doesn't have breakaway speed but really neither does ibrahim if you really watch him and evans is a full-on bruiser back that punishes those who try to who wish to bring him down he's the kind of player that can take on 30 carries a game and especially once he bulks up north of his current 200 pounds. To me, he was the most impressive pl- uh, back at Minnesota spring game. Again, we didn't get to see Ibrahim or Potts in that game, but he was the most impressive back there. And I think he's heir apparent to the Minnesota running back room afterwards. Yeah, name I'll throw out there before you know we get ready to wrap this up is DeAnthony Gatson going to Louisiana Tech. I think he's Good climbing one. pretty quickly. Uh, you know, when, when Nate starts telling me, like, hey, he's on my board and I thought I could sleep on him and stuff like that. So if I'm hitting on Nate's guys, who he keeps pretty secret for the most part, then I know I'm on to something. And I saw it. I was like, the kid punishes. He's going to a school. He had a shot at P5. He just chose 
to want starting time because he wants to have tape. You know what I'm saying? Like, why wouldn't you not do it? So we're, now we're talking about a ball hog. We're talking about a guy that could possibly get it done quickly. You touched I on it there, Brandon, but I, I do want to throw this out there for people. I, I get asked all the time. They're like, oh, who are some G5 guys? Who are some G5 guys? Yeah. You want to find a G5 guy that is likely to get you starts early and is going to be a talented guy? Look at their offer list. Find out which ones were getting offered by the big schools and chose to go to a smaller school. That is a major, major, I'd say, green flag for a lot of these guys is if they choose to go to that school rather than they felt like they were forced to because nobody else really wanted them, if that makes sense. So one last guy for me at running back, the ultimate zag, uh, because our number one selection was Singleton. Allen. uh, Is Katron Allen. Yeah, he's good. just keep waiting in your draft. And when it gets to like that sixth or seventh round, just take the guy who's behind the number one guy. Uh, I watched his tape again this morning. I was like, damn, I wish this guy went somewhere that he wasn't right behind the dude. But, mm-hmm. you know, just just you brought up Kamara Wheaton. Um, man, just because you're five stars doesn't mean you hit every time. True. Uh, John Emery. John Emery could yeah. finally hit. This will be the Maybe. third chance I was that he gets to years. finally. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, I think you could pick Katron Allen and have zero investment in a running back one. There's a 7 8% chance. And again, that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're in the 100th pick, if you can get a four-star running back that's really only behind one guy, who someone like Singleton could get snapped up by Alabama or Georgia just like that. True. And then you have a guy who's awesome in a good system and has everything that Jared said about a number one pick in the seventh round. So don't don't sleep on zagging. I talk about that all the time when everybody picks one pick. Don't be afraid to invest almost nothing in a guy right behind Levy and Moss or Moss. We talked about him. We didn't talk about LJ Johnson who was supposed right. to be that guy. True. And he's not, he had, didn't even play in the spring game, but uh, word is he wasn't even on sidelines. So like you got a guy who could immediately do it. We thought Johnson was going to be the guy. Now we think Moss might be the guy. Don't, don't sleep on Allen. It could be a great Zach. I agree with you 100%. Allen is a good pick, especially once you get into that round seven, eight range. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd take him a little bit earlier than that, but I agree with you that he's absolutely a value. I know we don't talk about it often in CFF because it's more of a thing in NFL, but you should take the handcuff of the stud because if he goes down, if you have the replacement and the system is right, it's just business where, you know, picking off where business, you know, is there as well. Not saying that Singleton is injury prone or anything like that because I haven't seen it personally, but why not? Especially if you can get Allen at a big difference, you're not well, hurting Jared, yourself. You know what I'm saying? Jared, selected, two, so. Jared selected Jaden Blue. Having yeah. a hand, a five-star handcuff? To My gosh, that's yeah. just an a guy who's an heir apparent, a five-star guy. He's behind a guy who, if Bijan gets nicked up this much, his agent, and I know they're not supposed to have him, his handlers will say, shut it down for the year. And if you're in a redraft league, please be thinking Bijan may not be there for you in the playoffs because he could easily throttle it down if they're not contending for a championship. And that's why Jaden Blue is even a greater pick than we discussed earlier. Great episode, fellas. Oh, this is fantastic. Again, I know we went long, and I know we kind of peer pressured you to go into third round. That's all right. 
content awesome. for everybody. I love it. It's for the people. And if the people want a third round, they're going to get a third round. Uh, <laughs> this has been fantastic. I love getting the band together, guys. I think we should probably do maybe one more. We'll do like rounds four through seven or something. Let's see if we can give them some value on the way. By then, you know, maybe in a couple episodes or so, there might yeah. be some value up and down depending on the transfer portal, more news coming out, stuff like that. And then we're going to talk about some 2023 guys. So we'll see these guys, whether individually or together, we'll talk it up as well. Plenty of guys coming up in the 2023, uh, you know, freshman class, which means the class of 2026. That's going to be absolutely fantastic. And, you know, guys that you want to have on your team as well. Uh, Future Freshman Podcast is there to deliver that for you. Uh, but I want to give, you know, the floor to you guys. Jared, thank you so much for coming on, good sir. Uh, tell them where they can find you. Tell them about what can they expect in the next episode of Chasing the Natty and what you got coming up here for C2C. Yeah, I covered most of it at the beginning of the episode anyway, but you can find me. I am at CFF underscore Jared on Twitter. Uh, again, we got the CFF guide coming for you guys. We're really hitting the ground running, getting that to you guys before the season gets started. Very excited about that. In terms of the CTN episode this week, it is a perfect complement to what we are doing here because a lot of you guys, some, some leagues separate the supplemental drafts and the freshman drafts. Some of you, they get mixed together. On Monday, you will see an episode of CTN that is going to be covering the top 12 supplemental guys that you can be you could be looking for in your leagues i got josh chevalier on there to talk about it with me he is an excellent excellent cff dynasty player so look forward to that discussion and then just overall y'all check out the cff stuff we got going on campus to canton we got articles we got some podcasts between this one and ctn we got the tools that we're developing and we got more on the way for you guys uh it takes a while to develop these things but again some of these things, when they come out, it's going to completely change the way that you're looking at the game. And I cannot wait to get that to you guys. Absolutely. And, of course, I want to thank the OG and the, the U Sports 2005 national champion, Mr. Mitch Hart. Mitch, uh, thanks for coming on, man. You got anything cool coming up? Are you just busy being those uh, those best balls? And are you just uh, preparing your recruiting strategy for our freshman drafts coming up? So uh, a bit of advice, again, for people who uh, want to do – uh, some research on their own. The state track meets for every state in the United States um, had just finished. Uh, something really cool and smart for you to do is to look up the results of every 200 and 100 meter dash yep. throughout the country and look at your rivals list, look at that, and find the kid who took fourth in the 200-meter dash in Minnesota, that is going to be the new running back for Toledo. Yeah. And that's how you can beat the professionals. Uh, because they're doing it all day. And if you don't go to C2C, if you, you, know, if you don't check out Brandon's work and uh, Fantasy Nate and John Lobb, you're putting yourself behind. And the only way to catch up is to be original. And that's why you need to look at those speedsters. We talk about the Boise State running back and why he's at Boise. Why is at Boise? Because he's small. And other kids might not be running 22 miles an hour. They may be at 20.8, but they play in the Sun Belt. Yep. So when going against their competition, sometimes it's not even about the stars, the big fish in the small pond, which I can't stress enough is how to hit a massive home run is Terrence Gibbs working out. That's how you win because he could be ridiculous. But if you want to do some uh, some work, look at that. And always remember, the greatest track athletes 
are triple jumpers. So if you find a wide receiver who won the triple jump in Nebraska, see where he's playing football and draft him. I love all of that. So once again, I'm Brandon T. Sanders. You can find me at CFF University. Of course, the Future Freshman Podcast releases every Friday morning, most times. If it's not, you'll see it on the Twitter sphere as well. Uh, also, the CFFU Podcast is coming back in a month or so, so be ready for a new season, which I'm very excited about. You'll see these uh, fresh faces that I have on the screen as well. We're going to get you some prize picks. We're going to talk with maybe a little DFS strategy and who you want to take or maybe your player of the week that you're hoping that's going to have a big uh, you know, week as well. So definitely check that out. Uh, but until then, be good to one another, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.